we are live. Let's do it. Let's go. This is Damage Per Second Podcast. Damage Per Second Podcast, episode number 76. We are here on another fine, fine Thursday evening. Shout out to some people out here in the chat. What is up, Stardust? That's going, bro. What's up, man? She dies a lot. Ramon Terrell, the actor extraordinaire, man. What's going on, bro? And Erodimus, the homie Erodimus in the house. Hope you guys are having a great evening. I know I am. And uh, let's go ahead and, uh, I guess, introduce the panel as usual. What's up, Punty? What's up, Punty? Up, Gaming Forte, my co-host. What's up, bro? Oh, what's up, man? How you doing, man? It's been a uh, very, been a very, very great day, great week. We got the boy Delhi here. I, I mean, shout out to you, man. Um, I, I've never I seen. Oh, okay, whatever. Well, people can see his icon. <laughs> I mean, you make it seem like you act like people can't see his icon, but whatever. But I was about was you know, and I don't even want to say what I was going to say because you literally just wanted to just tell me up. No, I was going to tell you how how amazing of a job you did by making those um making it so easy for us to find the topics for today's show by including links and everything you know i would that's something i think you need to do more um on a regular basis i appreciated that well i, I do that for the guests you know usually oh. you know usually we we just yeah i know they he, he, the guests get special privileges when they when they show on this show especially especially when we got the you know the one and the only person that you about to announce now forget what i said 20 seconds ago because you guys don't know who the actual host is not like you can see his freaking icon sitting right here on the screen but uh yeah. go ahead slow mo introduce hey, the hey, man you're, of the wait, hour wait, wait, wait. You're, 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 when you start yelling your voice is peaking I don't know. I don't know what's going on with. Well, you didn't want to turn that down, then, sir. That's what I, that is. It's, it's not me. It's you. It is you. Your mic. My mic is definitely not peaking, especially when it's only three quarter game. It's peaking, sir. Uh oh, it's peaking. Yeah. Anyway, look. Oh, hey, here we go. It has been said already, but let's just go ahead and do it anyway. Don't say it again. Returning guest, Agent Delhi in the house. Delhi, how's it going, bro? Yep. Uh, thank you guys for having me back. Having me back, I appreciate it. Uh, hello, everybody in chat. My name is uh, Deli. I'm a former game designer at Ubisoft, and now I hang out on DPS. Nice, nice. Appreciate that. Appreciate your your mic not peaking. You know, it's, it's, is is my mic still peaking, sir? You're you're much lower. Now. I think you're much lower now. Yeah. Yeah. You need that, but you need to kind of like balance it. You know. Well, oh look, my God. Go ahead, work on it. Go ahead, work on it. Uh, I don't want to work on anything right now. All right, you know, you know, you can, you can, you can be emotional over there. It's fine. We're gonna keep it going. We're gonna keep it going. Like, but just like all these people with this Halo TV show today was super emotional. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. We do have a couple of little small, like, quick hit topics that we're gonna get into before we get into the main, the main topics of the night. Uh, ooh, Chris says I'm low. Music is louder. Okay, let me uh let me make some adjustments. Right, go go, Chris. Who who sound better? Does the slow mo sound better? Or does Forte sound better? Or it might just be Delhi. Delhi, you know, he got that million dollar mic, you know, because he he puts out games that are, you know, we wish we could only dream of what the budgets are attached to. Yeah, if I had the budget that uh, Ubisoft gave us for Watch Dogs Legion to make Halo, I would be so much so much happier. Man, I can only imagine what that let budget me, really was. Let me front run season two of Halo, please. 
Oh, you yeah. want to be the showrunner? Yeah, I just I just need somebody in the helm that actually will uh, play a game, open a book. You know. Oh man, hey, hey look, I, I, we, I, let's, let's not, let's not, let's not. Sorry, 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 sorry. We're we gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Let's not, let's not, you know, unload oh, all the all the rounds. Have, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have nothing but slander for the show. I, I, hey, hey, look, um, look, I, I'm I'm not gonna be completely negative on it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some good things to say. We, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it anyway. Uh, shout out to everybody that that's coming through um, in the chat. Appreciate you guys, of course. Uh, let's get to well. First, let me let's 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 talk about some games that we've been playing. Deli, what, what have you been playing lately? I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't picked up GT Seven yet, Gran Turismo Seven yet. Um, just because I'm taking it one one game at a time. But right now, at sixty two hours in, so sixty plus hours in, in Elden Ring right now. Um. I think I have like four or five more bosses, but I'm mostly just roaming around, digging through the catacombs and just taking my time. Mm. Nice, nice. Uh, Forte, what have you been playing? Uh, I just started playing um, Elden Ring a couple days, well, not even a couple days, yesterday, technically. Really? Uh, jump back. In, yeah, I, I started. I, I did the I did the character stuff, and um, I'm going samurai look and all that other crazy stuff. I'm trying to be nimble, get my dexterity up and everything, but um, uh, haven't really dived that deep into it, but that's a game that I um, plan on really diving into, especially over the next week or so. Uh, before my vacation probably gonna put some major time in it on my vacation which starts april 1st through the 10th who can't wait for that but uh played that played some more tunic only put like about halfway through it right now it's, it's a real short game but i'm only doing like an hour at a time and then um of course destiny but i'm kind of winding down on that since pretty much all the seasonal sorry stuff is out of the way so I pretty much only got like another couple of weeks in that before I take a nice little month break and get into some other stuff. But um, yeah, man, it's been been really really cool and um, definitely my kid. Oh, my kid got all A's and one B on a report card today, so I'm super nice. excited for that. Being a dad, you know, you know, it's it's really really cool. But um, yeah, that's that's how my day has been today, and, and the week has been even better. I'm here with you. That's why. Uh-huh. That's what's up, man. I, I, I love to hear that about the kids, man. You know, getting good grades is definitely where it's at. My my daughter just basically just got literally all A's. Uh, Facts. You know, so I'm like, you know, that's. It, and I ain't even have to bribe her this time. It, well, I never with her when it comes. To, I, I never have to do any of that. She's just she she's just on top of it. But it's just it's just in her. How nature. old is she? I mean, she's only six, so. <laughs> oh, we'll but, see. But look, man, she, well, she, wait till she, she gets a little it. older, where where material things matter. You know, she's killing it. She's killing it. Uh, anyway, like what I'm playing, of course, is you see in the gameplay here is Elden Ring. I have. I, I, Elden Snore. I mean, it's it, if, if it's only other thing that I've really been playing outside of Elden Ring is occasionally trying to get through Rogue Company's uh, Battle Pass. And so, mm-hmm. and, and trying to master rank some of uh, that, uh, um, some of my rogues. Uh, shout out to the Ashen Luca with the five dollars super chat. Says your break on last until I say I need help in Destiny with the 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 the, uh, the devil face. So uh, I think she's she's man, saying that she she. Uh, I don't think Luca ever coming back to Destiny, man. She would have been back, but she did she be how long ago did she beat the game? Like a week ago? A week ago. Yeah, she's still playing. And she's she still and she's. 
And she ain't even logged back in. She ain't logged into Destiny yet. The season's halfway over. So I don't think that. I, listen, I don't think Luca coming back, man. Let's be for real. And that would be a good thing. I actually need to go ahead and just beat the, the campaign that I uh, that I paid for. So I can go ahead and just uh, um, uninstall that thing like I like I normally do. Um, I, I will. Uh, I will probably get back to that once I finally get done with Elden Ring. With me with Elden Ring, it's just like. I, I, yeah, I got I other games that need to play, man. You know, I'm trying to finish that campaign with Destiny. I'm trying to finish the campaign for Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I just, like, there's so many other games that I want to get back to. How, how far but, are you, Horizon? Uh, I'm about halfway through Horizon. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it, it'll be it'll be September by the time you beat that game. <laughs> hey, you know, if, as long as I get it done this year. It'll be, oh yeah yeah shot 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 yeah understand what you're saying there yep 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 all right let's go ahead and get into the topics here let's go ahead and get into it so first topic of course is uh about hellblade 2 actually and I, what i thought was pretty interesting here some some information i saw this week in regards to uh the the uh combat designer um talking about the combat experience um comparing the the previous the first game to what they're working on currently with the sequel and uh i, I sent you guys the link for that uh delhi what did you think about um what they were saying about the combat um i want to be honest with you let me look at the link real quick <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was i was watching your elden ring gameplay and i was just mesmerized by how oh my god um how it's very noticeable when you're losing a fight because you're like six rolls in you know what i mean it's not going well look look and, and, and the, the hallock tree man look i i am struggling okay like i just got there too so i feel i feel you like i beat the oh game and i go to the hallow tree and i'm struggling like i i is the guy like well what's going on regular enemies are just uh you know hurting your boy but no like so i'll i'll uh i'll talk about well i'll say some of the quotes here from the the combat designer so this guy actually was uh part of the combat design team for the first game um and he's talking about what's this guy's name his name is is Juan, uh, Juan, Juan Fernandez yeah Juan Fernandez and he says we're raising the bar of doing more with less we're more people than the first Hellblade team but the quality we're giving versus the team behind it compared to similar games I think is through the roof what I like about Hellblade 2 is that it's a very unique approach. I think it's going to have an impact like Hellblade 1, but for other reasons. Because obviously there's a lot there's a lot of things that were new in the first game that will have less impact in the second game. But there's a whole bunch of other new things that will have that impact. What I was least satisfied with in Hellblade 1 was the lack of enemy variety. The long-range combat was stifled and and the balancing stuff, the way the difficulty systems were tuned, the enemies had too much life, they had too much durability, and it got tiresome a lot of the time. We had a lot of variety of attacks and combos, but the enemies didn't really encourage you to use one or the other. People found two or three moves they liked and just repeated them constantly. They were very generous with we were very generous with parries and and story timings that would be balanced more intelligently. And so, like I thought that was pretty interesting because these are some of the complaints that I had about the combat. And I like to see the fact that they uh, have, a, have acknowledged those things and are addressing them because really that that's like a sign that really things are going to be, get better. Now, um, 
in, after repeating on that, Delhi, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that their freshman effort in Hellblade One is definitely uh, like they're up and over the hill. So for me, this translates to something along the lines of like we recognize what we're doing, we recognize that uh, you know we dipped our toes into this genre, into this style of cinematic action adventure gameplay, mm-hmm. and now we're just ready to take it to the next bar. Um, something that they implemented in the first Hellblade, as you said earlier, is like generous parries, you know, story timings, um, two or three moves that people liked and repeated constantly. That's something that like they realized that just touching on the surface, like just having a, a mechanic work was serviceable for the first game. So going into the second game, it's like now that we have this mechanic functioning and everything, the foundation, everything is fine. Like too many nobody complained about the combat in the first game nobody complained about like oh there's only two or three combos like just because it's serviceable means that it you know it's passable now that it's serviceable it needs to be better it needs to be actually working at a a level or an experience that they or an expectation that they want as a studio and i think that hellblade 2 will probably most likely go above and beyond two or three notches from the first game just because of time attention to detail i'm sure they expounded their studio um technology and, and a bunch of other things as well too but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely agree with that for, for the, you want to say something go ahead oh no i was just gonna i was just gonna go follow it up because um one of the few games that i i, I beat you know how you know how it is so i love that game i actually made it it's like literally the only game that's on my channel that i love so much that i actually did a review for on my channel and stuff so that game when i sit there and i think about the combat the combat was like literally the last thing i even thought about in that game like i look like like delhi just said it wasn't even the main focal point of what that game was it was about the interactions the experiences the um overall just paying attention to all the nuances of stuff that's going on it was just the atmosphere was mostly the thing that drug you through that game and uh i enjoyed every minute of that and i think one of the the weakest parts of that game was um the combat especially when you're at the very end and you're on that bridge fighting to get all the way to the very end and you have to keep fighting this ever long list of people to just keep coming at you what it was like the worst thing ever and i was like yo I think I'm on this bridge for like 20 minutes. It's been 20 or 30 minutes fighting on this bridge trying to get to the end. I was like, I don't like this because this isn't the best part of the game. But it worked. And I think that was the thing that they um, definitely dove into. They said, hey, combat actually is good. Is it great? No, but it actually works. You feel like you have weight behind your your attacks and stuff, which is something I can't say for a lot of games. When you swung your sword in that game, you felt like you were swinging your sword. It was just really janky in the animations and stuff that they actually had in there. But I do think that everybody's going to be looking at this game in particular because that was the that wasn't just the weakest part of the game it was by far the weakest part of the game and um i think with them amping it up into a grander scale this that should be the number one thing that they they tackle because i think they have everything else in space when it comes to like they already have the story design in place they already have um the um the, they already have the motor catching in place so you could actually feel like you're actually a part of the the fight and everything like that so i'm looking forward more than ever to what they do in that combat system 
to kind of um, make that a little bit not even a little bit a lot better for people that enjoyed the first game yeah you know like i i, I agree with both of you guys I, I especially with the whole the bri the bridge thing with all the enemies i, I felt like in the, the there was something that he said about balancing stuff is that like the game isn't very balanced when it comes to the puzzle aspect to combat ratio there is far yeah. less combat in the beginning of the game and then it, it increasingly gets more and more combat and less puzzles as you go further uh, i thought the puzzles were awful uh and i think um for the the second game i would just rather they just not do any puzzles at all <laughs> as far as i'm concerned just i i mean like i mean i have a, some some light puzzles in there because that you know the first game had puzzles in it so maybe that's a you could say that's the staple of it but uh, I would prefer way more combat and, and far less puzzles, especially if you got puzzles that aren't very good or yeah. the execution of them wasn't all that great. I, I would just prefer it the way, um, probably the way it, things were more in the last part of the game, um, but maybe not as linear, uh, as, as linear as it was. Um, I do think that only having one weapon the entire game was kind of... Uh, I mean, it, it, the thing is that combat, it, I thought was good, but it wasn't. You had two weapons. You had a blue sword at the end of it. I mean, more weapons. I mean, like different kinds of actual, like maybe, you know, like. You had a lightsaber that was really sharp at the end of it. It was like, really or, cool. Or that was a staff, cool looking lightsaber. Or bow and arrow or something. Just other, right. other I know you know, mean. avenues to combat. And I feel like it seems like based off of what he said that that's definitely what we're going to, what we're going to get eventually. Um, go ahead and move on to uh, another one of our quick hitting topics. And this one is in regards to uh, Humanoid Studios, which is. Uh, oh man. Didn't. There we go. Go ahead. There we go. All right. So um, Shinobi on Twitter, Shinobi602, did a uh, tweet a few days ago talking about Humanoid Studios and Humanoid Studios has revealed some concept art in regards to uh, their new game that they're coming out with and surprisingly enough it's not an RPG it's actually a character driven narrative game so when when that description I'll I'll, I'll see what you guys think about that description uh, that to me kind of like spoke to the kind of game that you would see like Telltale would make, Aquatic Dream, Super mm -hmm. Massive Games. Did you did you guys get that kind of vibe from character-driven narrative game? What do you think, Deli? Um, when somebody says character-driven for me, I think of like side quests, NPCs. So I mm -hmm. do think of an RPG game. Okay, so you still think it'll be RPG? I think it'll be... I, I don't know. I think it'll be more RPG like the Outer Wilds and less RPG like Skyrim. Does that make okay, sense? Okay. Okay. You said the Where Outer Wilds, like, not the Outer Worlds. The Outer, outer Wilds. Is it Wilds? Outer Worlds? I can't remember. What, what, the the one that made by Obsidian. Oh, that's Outer Worlds. Outer, World. okay, outer, outer Worlds. Worlds. Okay, my bad. Oh, I would love it to be like the Outer Worlds. I, I, I love that game. So that would be great for me. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, Forte, what do you think? No, I was thinking the same thing, like character driven, you know, that's something that they already, you know, Casey Hudson, that was something that he was 
masterful in when it came to the games that they made when he was at Bioware. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of Shepard and how driven, like everything was driven around that one character. And I do agree with Delhi. I do think when you're talking about the NPCs and stuff in the game, that does speak to more of what they're doing when it comes to the narrative inside of that because the the character is being driven through all the different npcs that they're going they're going to interact with into the game i don't know if it's going to be an rpg maybe he wants to try something different but then again you know i think that's where he kind of cut his teeth at when it came to most of the games and i think he doesn't want to stray too far away from that but i do like the concept art it gives me more of a um we definitely getting more of a futuristic look into it like this and it looks like there's going to be a lot of exploration and stuff in the game from just the different um the different screenshots that they've shown and stuff uh you're going to have your diplomatic stuff it looks like when you got people sitting in like who know, no one really knows what any of this stuff it really is but i am a huge sci-fi fan so as soon as i see astronauts in space and stuff like that i'm i'm already i'm not saying i'm 100 in but i'm definitely interested and what they're doing and with mass effect being one of my not one of the my favorite franchise of all time i'm definitely going to give this more of a closer look than anything else uh, but for me i yeah i definitely kind of took it as well one i'm, I'm happy that it's a triple a game because I, I see a lot of yeah i see a lot of developers they leave big triple a studios and and they're they're like well-known developers and they go off and they make their own studio and they're like man i'm gonna make games my way and then it turns out it's like it's like some some look i I know this is gonna sound negative and i don't i don't mean it to be but it's like a double a game that's not of the same like like level of how dare you of (laughs) some double a games are great absolutely great and some of them you know aren't and i understand that people wanted to be innovative and sometimes uh you just don't have the budget in order to be able to, to do that on a like uh a triple a level but it's good to see that a lot of the former bioware developers are working on triple a games with studios that they have the creative freedom to do what they want and don't have some big parent publisher telling them what is and is not uh going to work for their kind of game so i i just i'm just happy about that but i do think that it's i don't know i don't think it's i don't think it's going to be rpg i just got this vibe this feeling uh that it'll it'll be something that's more along like a quantic dream kind of game which i'm all in for you know that's fine that's fine with me they uh casey hudson outside of the mass effect 3 ending he 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 has he's he's cut his teeth with really good rpgs and really good stories and really good characters so i think he understands that he understands how to create characters that people can feel for people can can you know care about kind of characters that people cosplay at comic con conventions and crap like that so i think i think that that's what they're they're aiming for now i hope it turns out well like that as long as the worlds feel lived in and like time passes when we're not like if the if the world feels like time passes when we're not playing the game mm-hmm. then that's really all that matters to me i'm i'm cool with it being rpg i'm cool with it being linear um but I, again when somebody expresses that character driven and narrative focus is at the forefront of their mission statement i need 
I need one. I need strong side missions because like the the golden path is fine. Like I could deal with that being lackluster or like you know not as outstanding as like you know let's say like God of War or like other you know uh, large marks in the industry. I'm okay with it being lackluster if the world if the game makes me feel like I want to play the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely feel that too. I, I understand that completely. Um, the next little topic here is CD Projekt Red. And so uh, CD Projekt Red actually uh, has come out um, talking about a new Witcher saga that they are working on. So, but that said, they haven't announced Witcher 4. They're talking about a saga. So this could, it could be like the Witcher Redemption, you know, whatever, right? It, mm-hmm. The Witcher Vengeance. But typically what it looks like is that they're going to be working on maybe another trilogy of games or another complete storyline here within the Witcher universe. But what I thought was really interesting about this is that they're no longer using the Red Engine, which has been their proprietary engine that they've created and has has been in use for all of their games, all the Witcher games, including the uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, Slacko says the music is a tad bit high. Let me understand why that's still going on. Let me go try to fix that real quick. Uh oh. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, my bad, bro. Uh, let's get back. There we go. Um, oh, I do. Th- I do think that Witcher Two is not on the Red Engine. Oh, it's, it's not. That, uh, which one yeah, that, the, that one is created with Bioware's Aurora Engine. Really. Yes, actually. Yeah, Bioware's engine from Mass Effect. Wow. Yes, sir. That's 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 very interesting. I didn't know that. That's that's crazy. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's where they got the basis for the Red Engine. So, so what do you think about them going with Unreal Engine Five instead of going with Red Engine going forward? I mean, I think it's a great move. I mean, it's um, it's still a C plus plus code base, so I think it'd be a lateral move for all the devs inside the the facility. Mm -hmm. I think that. Moving to Unreal Engine 5 will be smart because Epic Games ha- is a very, very large company. It's it's not a small one by any means. So they have definitely a lot of support in the event that they need it. Um, do I think that it's going to be hand-in-hand with Epic Games? No. I think that it's going to be more something along the lines of their licensing it. And if they need something super specific, instead of like creating it in-house, they can just ask Epic Games, like, hey, can you implement this? Like... Could you like something that the red engine, uh, I think the newest one is five or four. So whatever it is, the, the newest red engine has a script hooked feature that allows you to run ASI menus undetected. Um, so like it, it can get through anti-cheat. It can get through everything. That's something that they needed for uh, red engine so they can monitor the game, make sure everything is running properly without making, you know, without making it so that it looks like cheating. Um, which we have like huge, we have had issues like that in, uh, at least in our studio at Ubisoft, was that uh, there was a dev that was playing multiplayer and they like activated all like the the cheats and everything like that. And they forgot that they were online. So like while they're doing development work, they're like live in a multiplayer. So people would run into this developer developer designer and they were trying to kill him and it's like oh they have god mode they have unlimited ammo their cars don't explode and it's like things like that like 
we need script hooked features so that like let's say we don't accidentally get banned by our own engine or if we're using a proprietary third-party engine um like a cheat anti-cheat engine um much like how under <laughs> epic games is using that's undetected as well too so that's something that maybe that cd project red could bring over from the red engine into unreal engine 5 so that on you know it's a, a symbiotic relationship and less of like a cd project red is actually just leaning on epic games hey uh okay so like uh, you know this is your, your experience and everything i i a question i now have so do you think it would be a very seamless transition from red engine to i, I mean like i don't know if you even used red engine before but do you think it will it'll be a seamless transition for the developers there to using unreal engine 5 from red or would it take some time for them to get used to the new the new game development tools that are you know there for unreal engine 5 and not necessarily something that that they were using previously with red I think that it would take a little bit of time to use things like Nanite and um, the new volumetric um, Lumen, yeah. yeah, Lumen systems and stuff like that because it's not proprietary, like they don't automatically know all the tools. But because it's a C++ code base, if they, they don't necessarily have to use the blueprinting system, they don't necessarily have to use everything in Unreal Engine, they could start um, a project from scratch and just write in code manually for all of the things that they need. And because majority of the developers or programmers already know C++ or should already know C++, if they need something like, let's say a material analyzer, instead of like trying to dig through a bunch of templates and software or menus to try to find it, they can just, you know, a uh, command console and they can just code it in automatically. So I don't think it's gonna take too long for them to get adjusted to Unreal Engine. Um, but I do think that the tool suite that they have is not available in many other game engines, uh, namely Red. So I think that that might take a little bit of time to get used to. Do you think this also could uh, uh, speed up the process of them getting the next Witcher game out a lot sooner than their current cadence of game releases? Because, you know, like Cyberpunk took a long time to be developed and uh the witcher games I, I can't think of i can't re remember the timetable of release dates for like from say like two to three but could this uh potentially mean that like not necessarily right around the corner but we could see the next Witcher game in the three or four years because like now you don't have to update your engine you know like this is something this is why epic creates unreal engine the way they do like it's it's designed to be licensed out and for other developers to license it or use it use it you know for their for their methods and it would, i mean for, for what they needed for game development of course and not have to worry about creating an engine and also developing game at the same time so do you think like this this game could come out say like in 2025 or something like that yeah i think that's definitely plausible um so let's say you're epic games and i'm cdpr right let's say that there's a culling system that's like we we're jam packing like we're packing tons of detail into a small space let's say an alleyway and let's say your character moves at a certain speed like 10 meters a second and like the level of detail is not loading in as fast as we need um so we can actually put that alleyway on the back burner contact you at epic games hey slow mo epic games could you guys work on a new Hello? culling system? Hello? Hello? Uh, uh, can you guys work on a new here. 
<laughs> culling <laughs> engine. Could you guys work on a new culling solution for us? And you guys will, you know, you could say something on line. I'll so be like, right on that, sir. I'll, I'll yeah, we, right we can put that. we can put all I mean, of our like, What makes on you it? think I can do that? What makes you think I know how to do that, sir? No, see, that's not the response for today. See, look, this. I know. Epic, I know it's not the like, response. <laughs> we're, we're we're getting. We're, we have actually been working on that. You know, all this time we almost got it done, yeah. even though they haven't. But now that you brought it up, we're gonna definitely get on that and get that done. Because if you are talking about doing that, then there may be another developer out there later on that's gonna want the same thing. And and it, I, I think that's why Unreal is so popular, is because like it's. It's 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 like a it's a so we're looking for collaborative effort among all mm -hmm. developers because one developer uses it they have a great time um, they have a successful launch of a game running it and they have added things to it or added gave given feedback to Epic of what could be uh, made things more seamless for them and then they do those things and then it helps other developers going forward so you know it, it's it's. It, it's, it's going to work that way for them because that's how they designed it, you know? Yeah, and because mm. there's somebody like Epic Games that is working on, like, it's obviously their engine, but that's working on the engine, because we can put this function on the, on the back burner, we can work on something else in the meantime, and then when you guys get back to us in 40, 45 days, you guys can say, hey, the, it, the feature should be up and running, everything should be good to go, or, you know, here's some files that you guys need to be able to update your uh, engine and then they would be like okay cool thanks and then we can move directly back onto whatever section of the game that we're working on whereas in red engine if something needs to be created like we either have some money in house or like we have to do it now so there's a certain level of urgency to working on a proprietary engine like i did when we were working on um watchdogs legion is that when something's wrong like we got to go call the it guy we got to go make sure somebody is somewhere or somebody is available i gotta send out emails i gotta find out somebody that has specialized in this one little thing so that i can make sure that it's working and then i have to wait on somebody i don't i can't put things on a back burner i have to wait specifically for this thing whereas with unreal engine or with epic games because they're such a large large company the turnaround time might be much shorter so it might be 10 days before you guys get back to us with the solution so it's like 10 days i can go work on something else completely yeah you know i think it makes a lot of sense to me um i think our last quick hit topic is suicide squad and suicide squad has been delayed to spring spring 20 uh 2023 so sefton hill who is the creative director and co-founder of Rocksteady Games. Uh, it came out with a tweet uh, yesterday, said uh, we made a difficult decision to delay Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League this spring 2023. I know a delay is frustrating, but that time is going, going into making the best game we can. I look forward to bringing the chaos to Metropolis, uh, bringing the, the chaos to Metropolis together. Thanks for your patience. And I, I you know, I wasn't shocked by this at all. Like I actually, maybe it's because I'm still not shocked by it. Yeah, because like I, I almost when I saw this, I said it wasn't, it wasn't already delayed. I thought it was already delayed to 2023. So this mm -hmm. was the shocker to me. Maybe, maybe I heard something that was going to get delayed, and I it, it wasn't official at that point. What, what, what do you think, Forte? 
no i like when i first saw it i was super like a lot of people that saw it was like oh yeah this is actually really really cool and really interesting and the thing is the consistent narrative for a lot of games is how many times is it going to get delayed before it actually comes out due and not due to just incompetency or anything like that just due to the situation in the world you know uh, this game hadn't seen a delay yet since they announced it and everything. I mean, granted, they never put a date or anything on it until recently. And then they had to end up moving it because, hey, every game has had at least one delay um, um, acute, accounted for when it came to its development cycle and stuff. So like you always say, man, uh, a delayed game is a better game. Even if the game ends up being bad at the end, I guarantee you it was better than it was when, um, before they delayed it. I mean, it wasn't as good as it was before they delayed it. So I, I'm looking forward to the game. That's one of the games that I actually um, really, really wanted to release this year. But the fact that they delayed it means it's just going to be a better game when they finally do release it. And um, I think it's a good thing. I just want to say real quick before Delhi goes, uh, check out Dead Shot's hair. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking yeah. about. See, That's like, some hair. I know you was all detail. into that hair. Attention to detail. That's 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 what I want to see going They forward. watched your video, man. Yeah. <laughs> they did. I, I they watched it before he posted it. <laughs> right. Delhi, what, what do you what do you think about uh Suicide Squad getting delayed? Uh, I mean, I'm always happy for games to get delayed. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't unexpect it, or I didn't not expect it. Um, to be honest with you, it, this game really isn't on my radar. I wasn't paying attention to it. Um, so when it was announced that it was delayed, I was like, okay, that's mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. So, so you probably even this game does have co-op, right? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, okay, cause like, I don't know. Because I, I was thinking, like, this this would be a cool game to play with, with friends. Uh, based off of what I saw with the actual gameplay. That's what it was for me, yeah. I, I do have a question for um, Delhi, though, being the resident, sure. you know, got the, the resident dev up in the house. So when it comes to delays of games, when do you know as a developer when you're looking at a code and you're looking at a game and you got just that feeling in the in the studio that this ain't going too good and uh this probably needs to be delayed what is that conversation like amongst other devs in the building no you know this is before officially it happens mm -hmm. yeah. but how long into the process of you actually making what you're making that you already came to the realization and most of the people in the studio have come to that <laughs> realization um pretty quickly actually so it usually happens i want to say it usually happens about 90 days before the announcement happens um so about three months before the the announcement happens because well since we're working on the building blocks like constantly day in day out when something's not working for like a hot minute we know like when somebody is trying to force something to work we know like if john from the you know the production team is like hey deli can you make this work and i'm like how how soon they're like uh next week something's wrong like what what do we haven't even prototyped it i haven't even gotten any sketches back from the concept artists i haven't gotten any of the scans in from um the the motion capture team i haven't had any of the the real life photos or 
the um what's it called uh i yeah i don't have any of the 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 actual photos from the team that's like out in london doing all of that stuff like i don't have anything done and so when somebody says like hey we need this like kind of yesterday that's usually the sign like i'm gonna go check on other teams to see if they said the same thing so i walk over to your cubicle and i say hey mo um john from production just told me that they needed a future like in pretty quickly i was wondering if you heard anything about that on your team nope haven't heard anything over here oh okay and then i'll just (laughs) i'll just be like all right cool i guess it's just me then and then you know word spreads pretty quickly i mean to be honest with you in a studio like the chances of by the time you hear something by the time it takes from you to walk from one side of the building to the other side everybody behind you that you pass probably already knows which is just interesting it's just interesting how like like dang 90 days it's like yeah we yeah we i i, I guarantee you about half of that probably a little bit more is just crafting the perfect statement to come out and say <laughs> how we're going to delay this game or like if we're if we can make it work in those 90 days then we'll you reassess want- the situation right so like yeah. our build our build of watchdogs legions because we use an in-house engine called the disrupt engine and it's that engine is specifically tailored for cross-platform cross-generation um, mm-hmm. And it's also specifically tailored for online play. Um, so, like, the engine features aren't, like, graphically. It's like, you know, the Watch Dogs game. They look a certain way because that's how, you know, we need to tune down the graphical fidelity for the online connectivity. Because uh, the online for those games are pretty seamless. You kind of drop in, drop out at any sing- any moment in time. And the game mm-hmm. puts you directly back into single-player mode without a-, a loading screen. And, like... We spend a lot of time working that stuff into the engine. So when things aren't working, we're like, okay, well, you know, we'll just give it a little bit of time. So our E3 demo was not functional the week before, mm. believe it or not. What? So yeah, I, I, I love you know, hearing stuff like this. I really It's do. so funny, actually. So yeah, we did, it didn't work the week before, about 10 days before. <laughs> and like people were about to get on a plane like people were about to like fly to e3 and they're like what are you guys talking about it's not working they're like well i mean we just encountered a bug here and it's just not working i was like um well uh what do you guys want yeah what do you guys want to do about this they're like well we gotta fix it so you know people ended up staying up like 14 15 hours a day just to fix it make sure it's working but little things like that it's like if we can fix it if we can cut content if we could cut corners if we could do a do a patch like a some duct tape some wd-40 if we could do that and it'd be serviceable then we'll continue working at the rate we're working and we'll find a answer or a solution down the line but mm-hmm. within 90 days if we don't get it within probably at six the 60 day mark then yeah it's it's time to start formulating a plan it's time to start cutting content it's time to start going back to the drawing board it's time to make sure that like I could be working on a prototype for three months and it could get scrapped just because it's just too much. Yeah, you know yeah, that's, that, that's that's a really like yeah yeah that's a really good spend, one. Like my, you know, all my time over a, a certain period of time has been focused on something that ends up not even getting into the game. Like that would just really 
kind of pissed me off. But what yeah. what is well, last quick? Cause I know you want to move on, but last question because he, hearing him talk about this stuff is super interesting. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like you said, cut content, and I mean I know you probably some stuff that you can't even talk about that's been left on the floor, but um, if you can, is there anything in particular that you were like? that sucks that we had to really i mean everything is sucks if you got to cut it but was it that one thing that you was like man i really wish that could have made it into the game uh we had a female protagonist that uh rode around on a skateboard that had like a beanbag gun for oh, our main wow. character that it was, was super cool <laughs> it was awesome like i thought it was fantastic um we also had like five minor storylines going so we had like uh, an optional of five endings to the game um all of that all of that got scrapped like beginning of the year um <laughs> so we ended also up early <laughs> yeah like super early in the beginning of the year so yeah that was probably around 20 2018 yeah so um then we got ended up making this npc system where um so like we only have a few voice actors in the game even though there aren't mm -hmm. tons of voices in the game. The way we did that is that we had a... And I, this, I'm explaining it to you guys as if it, at, when it was explained to me, because I'm not an audio engineer, so I don't quite know all the ins and outs. But the mm -hmm. way it was explained to me is that they run it through filters that increase pitch. Like, they, it simulates, like, mouth width, mouth depth, the amount of teeth that you have in your mouth so that a single voice actor could sound like 20 different people um and so running through those filters it's like that sped up development a whole lot because we didn't have to spend hundreds of hours to record and voice like hundreds of different people so you uh, had like, like six people yeah we had like, like <laughs> we had 12 to 14 people in the audio booth at any given moment in time and those simulated all of the voices in the game. Do, so do, if do you guys ever like be like, oh man, we forgot to run lines for this character, and it just be like, hey Dave, Dave's like you know, like like a QA guy. He's just like, hey Dave, mm -hmm. get in there and just start just say these lines real quick, and it's just like, okay, all right, and he just goes in, and now Dave's a voice actor. <laughs> Does that yeah, ever happen? Uh, I mean, that specific scenario no but i had a specific scenario where i thought it would be a hilarious game mechanic if your character just died like mid middle 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 game it just died fell over and died of a heart attack and what? they yeah we prototyped it and thought it was freaking hilarious like it was an in-studio joke and then it made the cutting room floor like it it's a feature in the game that's nice. I like that. Yeah, like it has a one percent. Your character, no matter what character you pick, like any NPC that you pick across the world, has a has a point zero one percent chance of falling over and dying from a heart attack. Have you ever seen any clips on like YouTube or something? So someone's playing the game, just like I don't even know what happened, man. I was just about to do this mission, and then my my guy just grabbed his chest and just like fell over and died. Yeah, plus, yeah like, there's tons of there's tons of clips. I think it's hilarious. To me, I think it's absolutely hilarious. Like it's just does, uh, something like it's a joke. It's just something dumb that we thought of in the studio. Does the game it. actually explain to you what happened, or did it just happen? Yeah, it's classified as a heart attack. Oh, <laughs> yeah, your character in the, your NPC in the game that you chose has a heart attack, so you just fall over and you and because on 
in our game when the character dies like you lose the npc forever yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah so like you know you have to go out and find it again or you have to go out and find another character again and those skill sets that have we have in the npcs are randomized um and there's a huge i can go on about it forever but there's a huge uh interactive system that we made from the ground up to graft the npcs so like if slow-mo is from brixton and you're in south london like the characteristics that somebody from brixton would have in south london are very noticeable that they're not from south london like their clothing choice their you know their hair their style their the shoes that they wear the way they walk the way they talk and it's like we have region defining skills and qualities that we have grouped in inside a region so when npcs are generated in that region they're generated with those skills as a priority um, mm. fun fact yeah, that's cool man I, I i feel like i learn something every day this man is on the show uh, this is why this is why we bring delhi in here is he's educating oh, no. us man on game development you know look but make us make us feel like we are there like right there in the in the in the game in the game development chair you know making these decisions a, oh erotimus did ask a question he said how often do you have sync meetings to give updates um that's up to production leads and uh, directors and managements and all that kind of stuff. But usually a Slack meeting or Microsoft Teams meeting happens once a week, every Friday, about 9 a.m. They usually last mm. anywhere from 15 to 50 minutes, depending on who talks. Oh, yeah, because some people can talk more than others. <laughs> yeah, like we're right about to, you know, hey, meeting adjourned and somebody's like, yo, so this isn't working. Like, why would you say that, dude? And then it goes on <laughs> for another 40 minutes, you know? Right, right, right. Um, well, yeah, that, let's, let, I, I think it's about time we moved on to uh, one of our uh, 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 premiere topics, our main topics here. Halo Ooh, TV premiere. impressions. And I would be showing like the trailer the Paramount Plus trailer, but I heard Paramount was copyright claiming channels to do that. So I'm just playing some random gameplay from some custom matches we had some a while back in Halo Infinite. So that's that that's that's what's playing right now. Anyway, let's let's get into this this first episode. So the first episode of the Halo TV show on Paramount Plus premiered today, and there's been a lot of talk on like the Twitter timeline, social media in general in regards to. Uh, the show uh there's a lot of uh, very uh, <laughs> uh aggressive and, and emotional opinions here uh, i i'll go last forte i know you got a lot to say about this man what, what do you feel about the tv show after watching the first episode so all right so mm, first episode i ain't gonna lie i actually liked it really i actually okay, i actually okay. like the I, I i know i know that's like the like the the complete opposite of most people on the <laughs> internet <laughs> but i actually like the you know why because i'm simple i'm very simple when it comes to tv shows it already hits at something that i already love which is sci-fi so i'm i'm already in on it from just that alone i don't care if it's got cheesy this cheesy that because i watch tv shows like 
like dark matter and, and, and stuff like an expanse and stuff like that where it's not the greatest but it it serves up to the point where i well, love the it expanse is awesome i don't know about well no the expanse is awesome i don't know why yeah. i put the expanse with something like dark matter but um but no the things that i i truly the thing so the first 20 minutes amazing i got those feelings of watching halo i got those feelings of um just like when i picked up the controller and was watching it play like when a pelican came in like he dropped down i was like oh yeah this is what i'm talking about uh i love that they actually showed the brutality with the coveted weapons and stuff and blowing limbs off i was like okay we in there we actually blowing limbs off and people is being dis you know literally pieces are flying off of them it's cool mm-hmm. so I like the I like the overall aesthetic of the armor. I think the practical effects in the movie, I mean the show, were really really good when it comes to the armor, the weapons, and stuff like that. Um, I think the CGI could be better in certain instances. I liked it when it came to um, like showing off the plasma, um, not the plasma, yeah, well the plasma attacks. I liked it when it showed like bullets bouncing off of the shields and stuff. I thought that was like a very very nice touch. But there were certain things where the covenant's motion and stuff. I thought that was a little bit off when they got really up and close to them. Um, and there were certain scenarios where they had weapons sliding on grounds and stuff. And I was like, that was like a little janky for a practical effect that they tried to throw CGI in on top of it. So. I think High Charity looked amazing. That was something I was super um, excited for. Uh, I think Profit looks really, really good. Profit and Mercy that they showed in it. So there was a lot of things that from a from a Halo standpoint and a, a, a geek out standpoint, I was like, oh, this is super cool. But then <laughs> there was things about the show that I was like, I understand why people are kind of mad about it. And, um, you know, certain things that happen halfway through the show that, you know, that we haven't even seen in a video game yet, but it is what it is. I, they, they're, they're really tying the show to be something that is taking place in a completely different timeline. They actually call it the silver timeline. I still don't agree that you shouldn't be making a TV show without any basic knowledge of what's happening in the game. And I don't know how completely true it is that they don't know anything about what's going on in the games. But the fact that you put that out there lets us know that you just literally said, well, we just going off of what the stories that 343 told us about the game. And we're not really taking any of the source material as when it comes to the games to heart. I do think they're following the books more than anything because there is a lot of things that's happening in that first episode that are literally tied to what's going on with the books and everything. No, you're good. I think I think that is a very, very comforting thing. So it's not like they're completely deviating, but there are some things in the show that I'm like, interesting decision. The only reason you can get away with that is because you're saying this is an alternate tar- timeline, but I like just the essence of what the show was. I like the energy that it did bring, especially in the first 20 minutes. And then they had like a buildup of... Um, just um expectations going through the rest of it it's gonna really fall on is i think people that are really into the novels not just the games are going to really appreciate it more because there's stuff in this show that never been portrayed in games that you probably don't even know about and that's probably going to fall off for some people um but if you're a person that loves halo 
and you love everything about it, lore and everything, this show is probably going to be something, or at least the first episode, I should say. The first episode is going to be something that you probably enjoy. But if you're a person that's just jumping in because, oh, it's a brand, you hear something cool about this Paramount show that, you know, Microsoft's putting on for Halo about this game you keep hearing about, and you know nothing about it, it's going to be mid. Really mid for people like that. Because I don't think it does anything different than any other show or any show before it has done. It just is living off the IP that is basically named after. But I enjoyed the first episode, and I'm definitely looking forward to what they do next week. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get into Delhi's thoughts, I just want to shout out to Gaming with Persona in the house. Mr. Persona, he was uh, hanging out with us on Brat last night. Uh, on That's Basement Radio Arcade Podcast. We were having a good time, having um, having a really good discussion. I appreciate you, bro, with the $10. What's up, Persona? Chat. He said, shout out to Delhi and the DPS crew. We appreciate you, sir. Hope you're having a great evening. Hope you're enjoying your games, you know, and uh, occasionally touching grass. You <laughs> saw messing around. Um, Deli, Deli, <laughs> what, what what were your thoughts about the TV show, man? Okay, I'm just gonna open up with the episode one. Contact is a solid three out of ten for me. Um, <laughs> I feel a, I a just, solid three out of ten. A that, solid three out of ten. Yeah, yeah. I just want to put that up front. That's why I give it a score because I, I don't want to give it a score ahead of time. But uh, let's see. Um first 20 minutes uh let's see i mean the cgi is serviceable uh as a person who spent a lot of time watching doctor who and uh japanese tv shows like common rider power rangers that are super sentai that kind of stuff like cgi practical effects don't care i can you know i i can put that behind me so cgi for me is serviceable i do think it's weird that there are moments of cgi where like let's say there was a specific point where chief lands on the ground then he goes to take like two or three steps to run and they cgi'd his run and then midway through like midway through his step they like phased it into a live action actor so it's like it looks really really smooth and looks really really powerful when it's in cgi and he's like supposed to be like um because the characters in the show describe spartans as demons like they're super fast they're super agile they're not human they're ridiculous so the CGI makes the Spartans look ridiculous, cool, and like yes. how they would look in a video game. And then the live action makes it look like they're, I don't know, they got, they're walking around with something in their butt. You know what I mean? Like they're, they, they look weird. They look weird. Um, right. Haircuts, ew. First off, I don't know why they even decided to do that. Like it's a sci-fi world. You guys could literally come up with anything and you guys came up with those haircuts like that's gross man that like genuinely gross um the fps camera (laughs) shots while creative i think that they're not my favorite um i think they just look like cheap youtube shots i don't think that they're they look creative enough to be put in there i think they are put in there specifically to nod to the game um so they look something like out of a corridor digital uh video which can be jarring for a TV show. For me, can be off-putting for a TV show that costs $15 million an episode or something like that, right? Um, Silver Team is neat. Their entrances were really cool. I actually, I'm not going to lie. Um, when they first came in, I it did give me a lot of hope for the show. I was like, all right. It did. Cool. Yeah. I was like, hey, this is awesome. And then they do... They fall into the loophole, or they fall into the hole that every TV show with an ensemble cast or, or a team 
cast on screen falls into, the team slowly falls apart. Like, you're telling me that the silver team is supposed to be working together for an X amount of time, so obviously they know each other. So they come in and it's showcased that they're working well together, and then within, I don't know, within five minutes, people are falling, people need covering fire, other people are out of ammo, somebody else, you know, these are the same team members that are taking on two or three elites um, by themselves a piece. So it is kind of weird for me to see them doing so well initially and then not doing well. Um, all of the running in the suits, like all of the live action running looks terrible. It is what it is. But I mean, if you can get past that, it's fine. Uh, I think the main character's motives are really shaky. Um, she gets rescued and then directly after she gets rescued, she is you know puffing her chest out she's like you know i'm in charge i'm in control i'm i'm the you know i'm the badass and it's like i i don't know there to me there was a disconnect narratively with her motives um especially since like you know the big intro scene happened it's like i feel like she's not in the position to be saying the things that she's saying or doing the things that she was doing um and then my other biggest problem is that everybody in the unsc speaks exclusively in questions which like really pissed me off because like I am so confused. Everybody, no, nobody knows no, I, what's going I, I, on. I just asked the question. Just yeah, like <laughs> nobody knows what's going on for some reason. Like Chief doesn't know the Covenant. Oh, what are what did I touch here? I think I'm picking something up. Um, can you guys see this? It's like why is everybody talking in questions? It's like right. nobody actually knows anything more than one or two sentences worth of information. So it to me that like these guys are supposed to have like advanced hud displays these guys are supposed to have like radios comms uh, the unsc has the ability to like keys in the show is the ability to project herself and you know there's a lot of cool tech and nobody seems to know what's going on anywhere anyhow like chief in the intro scene he tells he gives a, a sit rep he said oh you know there's x amount of people have died x amount of people have lived you know this person this person that this is where i'm at these are the coordinates and then within the next 10 or 20 minutes he doesn't know where he's at he doesn't know what he's doing and he's like well i'll just do this by myself and it's like you have all of this information that you just had 10 minutes ago 10 minutes ago and then now you don't have anything so it just feels weird but chief is fine i mean he's stoic one note nothing out of the ordinary yeah that's it for me um, all right, look, let me, <laughs> I, I made a very, uh, a, a, a grenade throwing kind of tweet before we went live. It was, it was mostly tongue in cheek. I'm messing around with people. I, I just know this, the, you, you know, I, let me not say that. Let me just say that. Like, I just felt like messing around with people. Uh, it, you, you can, everyone can have an opinion on the tv show uh i just just respect everyone else's opinions and why they may not have liked it and you know we're all good right now i'll, I'll start with the positives uh the positives i think the they i, I see that 10 million dollars per episode uh um being put into use uh the the parts where you see like space and you see like starships approaching planets and stuff like that like all that stuff looks like something movie level quality and i'm just like all right okay i, I this looks good uh 
I think the Spartans armor looks looks great. Like I, I love the the actual uh, Spartan armors. They look good. Um, I think I like actually no actually I I really like how they captured the 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 indie colonists' uh, disdain for the UNSC. Their their feelings and emotions about the. Uh, the, the Spartans not really knowing what's true and what's just propaganda like I, I that's a lot of stuff that you can gather from many of the books and I don't know if that's something that the showrunners actually read because clearly you know they, they, they seem to not have wanted to do a lot of research but uh, regardless of that I enjoyed those things I thought that the stronger part of the episode was the the first half where you you're, you're on <laughs> got the name of the planet it begins with the m and seeing like this mining madrigal yeah madrigal yeah madrigal and the the that was magical stop it <laughs> that's but, what they said um but it, you know I, I i thought that was the stronger part of the episode uh but okay that's kind of where that the, the positives in for me let's let's well oh no i'm sorry i missed one positive shout out to our homie k asante for being an act who knew this man was an actor this man is portraying keys in the tv show did you did you see him did you see yeah, yeah, so performance just, his performance actually heavy high key carrying the show yeah carrying the show we need to see more yeah. k in 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 that because like i had no idea this man had those kind of acting shops you know like but shout out to him shout out to him now let, let's let's get into so i'm gonna get this first part out of the way because it's not even the most important negative i have here chief taking his helmet off right now look i i will say this i don't think a tv adaptation should be doing things that the game hadn't really done yet uh, it could we see chief's full face one day in the video game sure we've seen his eyes you know we've seen like his like his visor level look of his face from like the halo 4 legendary ending we we know he's taking his helmet off multiple times it's not like this guy just like basically has never taken his helmet off since he put it on but that said like the the way they just just went just just full on and very first episode let's just take his helmet off and have his helmet over the the, the most like i think a reason that wasn't even really necessary to take it off like it wasn't it, it, it wasn't it was, there was no reason there was no reason for him to do it he just felt like you know take my helmet off be all dramatic no there was no reason for the for yeah. the main character to have uh an accent as well too <laughs> it bro that shit really pissed me off like it really took me out of the show like there's a so if, if you guys haven't seen hmm? the main character is like this uh like this korean woman yeah uh, she's yeah and she somehow in this space colony they decided to give her like a semi-asian accent to like somehow prove that she's asian or something like that and it really bothers me because it just feels it feels out of place in a sci-fi show like you have aliens running around and you made this person speak in an accent and there are several unsc like or there's another unsc character that speaks in an accent as well too and it's just like mm -hmm. i don't know to me it just is a little off-putting like yeah, they also went back and forth a couple times with like that that main character her father uh speaking in korean um you know uh, this switching back back and forth to english and i was just like okay all right cool you know i don't really have a problem with that but it's just uh uh 
I, I don't. I wonder. Like, I, I would like to hear from the director, like, why that was seemed to be important. Like, like it seemed like they just wanted to kind of like. It's just tokenism, it. bro. Yeah. Come on now. There's, <laughs> there's no. There's no importance of it. As an Asian person, I was offended. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I. Let me. I'm. I'm. A, okay. So look. Sorry. Keep going. Go ahead, bro. The Spartans look good when they're barely yes. moving. Mm. When yeah. they start moving, now look, some of the action sequences worked. Like the part where Chief took on two Sangeli, uh, who, by the way, are way too bulky looking. The Sangeli aren't supposed to look I like. I definitely did like that. I will say that. Like they look like they're a mix of the Sangeli and the and the, and the Jarohana, and it's just like, why are, are they on steroids? Why are they so big? Like they're supposed to be imposing and, and like like in terms of limp taller than humans. But like this, just like, just they—they're way too thick. Pause. Then, then. Hey, okay, one of them hit a truck with his shoulder. Yeah, it's just like that's not. All right, I mean, I never seen that in the game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just like what, what, what? like, and, and and that you know, I it, it made me think as I was watching that you know maybe the showrunners would would have known what a, what a, a, a really looked like if they had actually played the game. Uh, but no, um, there's that. There's the. The Spartans look great until they're they're moving, and there there were there were two scenes I thought that were actually pretty good with Chief, but otherwise it's like I see their like them running and 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 like jumping and moving, and I and I'm gonna tell you what it reminded me of, and, it, and it's not a good reminder. It reminded me of the Power Rangers, man. It reminded oh, me of, what, of them fights with the Power Rangers when they get into their Zords, and like. <laughs> The, Only thing you were missing, <laughs> Megazord. And it's just like almost like you know you would see like certain parts of the armor just doesn't move like a solid metal or like ceramic poly bomber, whatever you want to call it, piece of metal should should move. It's just like it doesn't look quite right. The, the movement didn't look good to me. And that that was a little bit distracting. Although I did really enjoy the the firefight, and 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 I I appreciate the fact that the you know San Kelly was just like yeah whatever man we don't care if your kids hiding in this hole we gonna shoot them all anyway. And yeah, just, I I didn't expect them to do that, but they did it. I was like okay. I expect because that they, they they don't care. <laughs> they well I know they, they did, but I did, but I also didn't expect once once they started blowing limbs off and showing, I was like oh okay they the, the, everything's up for grabs right now, which is the way it should be with the covenant yeah um but uh you know it's later on one i i can't stand dr haley i can't stand her anytime i see her i i, I just get like you just don't like her in general or you don't like her I don't performance like her. well the, the actress was fine i don't like her in general because she oh I, okay she, she kidnapped kids so it's just <laughs> it's just like it's to a, me well, it's it's a it's a game in a book slow mo. I understand what you're saying. Are you trying to excuse the kidnapping of kids? Yeah. No, I'm not. But it's a video. That's crazy. Game. That's crazy, Forte. I'm gonna jot oh this one God. down. That's crazy, bro. Not like just seeing her kind of annoyed me. Although that's not really nothing against the game because like you know she's 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 a she has, she has I love her as an actor doing it. She's an integral part of the Halo story period. So of course we would see her, but. 
uh, it, it's got me kind of wondering. Um, I, I was just very much bored with the latter half of the episode. And, and, and again, I thought that the, him taking the helmet off was uh, completely unnecessary. It, it's got me wondering. We didn't see really any AI, any UNSC AI at all in the episode. Of course, and that means, of course, no uh, Cortana. So I'm wondering how is Cortana going to be introduced and well they did mention her in this episode they just uh they were talking about as a as a fail safe but that's yeah. when the uh, i forget the lady the commanding officer she was like you know um cortana the cortana initiative doesn't exist you know because she actually brought it up as a fail safe to actually bring chief in but i think they're going to talk about that in the next episode uh, uh Mitch dies a lot. Shout out to Mitchy. Uh says, uh, you realize it's fifty pounds of plastic that they use, that metal that they use for the armor. Uh Mitchy, let me do you do realize is uh um you do realize that it still looked flimsy, is, is what I'm saying, man. Um um Persona says that the, the music is drowning us out. Let me try to get it. Oh, you see, that's as low as I can get it. Okay, there we go. Maybe that's like that's as yeah. Go, if I take it any lower, there's no music at all. And, and if I have to go with no music at all, that's fine. Hopefully, you guys can hear us and that we're not um, the music isn't drowning us out. But uh, sorry about that. Um, what was what was I? Where was I at? I, I think that's really about it. I mean, I I'm going to continue to watch it. I'm not all that impressed so far, but I, you know, it does have the opportunity to improve. Like there, there, there's always, you know, those kind of shows where like the very, the first episode or two isn't that great. And then there's like the episode, you know, an episode that's just so epic and so good that like it could be like WandaVision. I thought WandaVision was great for the beginning and the end, but you know, yeah, man, episode, those, first, those first few episodes were slow slog, as hell, man. It was a slog, bro. I this show it was, was okay, look, bro. Look, look, we, can, we can use one. <laughs> Those first few fine. episodes was like, yo, what the heck is this whole '90s thing going on? It did it all made sense no, by episode four. Oh, not '90s, yeah, the whole '50s, like the '60s, yeah, the '50s, '60s. Yeah, yeah but, it was this whole '50 and '60 thing, and then they finally pulled the bell off. That's how it was for you. That's fine, but like at some point, like sometimes there is a tv series where like in the beginning it's not that great but then there's an episode that really like catches on it is so good like dune uh okay you gonna stop naming stuff that doesn't need to be <laughs> like, named. like like dune dune like dune. is an amazing it's probably gonna win film of the year so like i don't want to hear like dune, Man, that like, movie was that movie had people falling asleep for the first two hours the last 30 minutes was oh amazing all right you're i'm about to mute you because you you out here <laughs> saying blasphemy it's the truth right no i fell asleep on that movie three times well, dog you, and then they finally got good at the end fall asleep at the drop of a hat sir so i am not no, surprised i ain't fall asleep watching halo well, I almost did. Anyway, let's. But that's that's our thoughts on on Halo. It's uh, it's not the best. Uh, it's it's uh disappointing to some people. And and for Del, as far as Delhi is concerned, it's a three out of ten. Um. Oh it's, yeah, it's. I just look, man. I'm gonna give it some hope. I'm gonna continue watching. I really do because, but it just feels like. You know, I'm gonna disregard the games, the books, whatever. I'm I'm gonna take this show as at face value for its own thing but so far it is not winning me over like if i was just some new person who knew nothing of halo 
I would be mm-hmm. kind of confused narratively about what's going on. Right. And, 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 and that's the weird thing about like, like when they said that they, they didn't look at the, the game at all. And I'm like, wait, what, How, why are you even mm-hmm. like doing this? If you're not even going to look at the source material, but then they said silver universe. It's a, it's a, okay. I'm like, all right. So they're doing like a multiverse thing. So they don't really have to follow the storyline. That's not my preferred method of doing an adaptation, but cool. You, you were actually going to, you know, this frees you up to do, have a little bit more creative freedom here and there. Right. I mean, they're doing their but, own thing. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. But it's just, even in, in that, it's just, this, this isn't, this isn't what I, what I found to be all that entertaining. But so let me, so, so, so let me ask you guys, what did you, what did you want? What I Both of you, what did you want? What, what I would have wanted is a not a silver universe thing, something that was within the universe, but you have so much lore to draw off of. And if you were going to try to introduce a story uh, to people who don't know Halo like that, you could have just did within, um, took a story within the same universe and actually have built upon that. You could have, you could have. You could have still started with the indie colonists and their war against the the UNSC as a uh, a pretense for starting the the Spartan program, which is exactly exactly what Hazley did, and could have did made that be the first episode. So instead of like really having Chief already there, you could be showing people how you know Chief came to be, like how he ended up on Reach with the other children to be trained to be the best soldiers that the UNSC would ever create. Like you could have did that, like and yeah, for us Halo fans, that would have been kind of like re retreading over like stuff that we already know. But like again, they're not doing this for us anyway. They're doing this for people who aren't Halo fans because it's because they want to create a whole new audience. And and if that's the case, then why don't you just start from the very start with a already good story and just kind of change things here and there that don't really fit for a TV adaptation from a video game or a book. And 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 you, you would have been all set. I, I thought that would have been a better idea than what they ended up going with. What about I you, wanted, Uh I I would have preferred if they did two pieces of or two episodes a piece of backstory of Noble Team. I mean mm-hmm. that that's just some some you know retreading old ground, but one it's already there it's written for you you can expand upon it you can take creative liberties and expand upon it however much you want because it's like a prequel Mm -hmm. two it's already in a universe that we know three it's already one of the usually one of the more highly regarded stories in halo with characters that we already know and love so it's like you're giving new people what they want which is characters that they can relate to characters that they can see grow and and a narrative that like is you know not haphazard and then Mm -hmm. you can give fans what they want by giving characters that we already know and love on screen because at the end of the day we i just want to see halo on screen i don't care if it's old if it's old ground i just want to see halo on screen so give me something that i want to see and it it just wasn't this No, I, I I get it, and like I said, it's I like I said, I just saw people online, and I guess like I said, for me, they already had me at sci-fi and everything else, and like I, and the thing is, I already go into these shows knowing that okay, I kind of do. They didn't even pay attention to the game, so I know there's going to be some disconnection and stuff there, 
So it was like I caveated a lot of that stuff going into it. But I just like, I mean, the way I look at it, if a show gives you a feeling or if at any point you have like that feeling of yo this is this is pretty cool this is like this i'm not saying it's going to be like i said throughout the whole show and stuff like that i just like i said the first 20 minutes i was like yo i felt i felt like this is this is cool this is really really good and this is um this is what halo supposed to be but then when you start you know digging into like the minutia of it and stuff you're like okay this could have been done better this could have been done better why did they make this decision you know am i saying that this is going to be like if i loved if for for most people if you love something a lot you're going to go back and look at it like four or five times like i i watched the last 20 minutes of in game probably 50 or 60 times in the first month that it was out on dvd just because i love that that sequence so much I probably won't go watch this again because like I said, it wasn't something that was super amazing and something like that, but it did what it was supposed to do for me, which was entertain me to the point where I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm definitely looking forward to see what they do in the next episode. Hopefully they fix some of this other stuff and do better. I do think that $10 million per episode should definitely garner a little bit more, um, Story. a little bit more when it comes to yeah definitely look, look, this is an hour long episode and, and let's, let's boil down what happened in this episode there's a mining right. there's a mining facility uh where where, yeah. where you know people were living they uh just so happened there were you know the covenant there trying to find a forerunner artifact uh yep. they got uh, exposed they all died spartan showed up ended the fight everyone's dead except one girl they take her to back to the UNSE, then she don't want to. She doesn't want to work with them. Um, he take she takes his helmet off. Hey, trust me. Ah, uh, right. Then they leave. That's about it, yeah. man. That, that's in, in an hour. That's you know the only other thing I I I, 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 I didn't mention here is Miranda. Miranda Keys is in it, and um, she she's you know emotional. She. I mean, she's, she's cute. I ain't gonna lie. When she's she was emotional. on screen, I was like, "Hey, yo, she's emotional." And they, and they made some. She's very emotional, and they made some character choices that some people may not like, which I didn't mind. What honestly. about about uh, changing the race of, uh, of those characters? Yeah, it, it kind of shocked me. Like oh, when God. I first saw, like when I first saw it, I was like, "That's Miranda Keys." When she said, "I'm Keys," I'm like, "Okay, that's Miranda Keys." I'm like, "Huh." she look a little mixed and then they got to jacob keys and i was like oh K- K- and then they told, it's ksante <laughs> <laughs> i said ksante and then they went a little deeper and it was like oh that's your mom oh ksante you know he he he, he dipped in some white chocolate okay so i so there, so there, he, he, so he likes his he likes his war criminals go ahead yeah, he likes his war criminals. So, so I thought, I think that's where the divergence in this show is going to happen when it comes to like. I think it's still going to be a lot of similarities across the um, the two timelines. I just think how we're going to get to a certain point is going to be different than what it was in the um, the prime timeline. I should say. Oh, but it's definitely going to be different. Clearly. It's going to be different. I mean, it's already different. I was I was fine with Miranda being black. I I do not care. 
That's yeah, I don't care. Nothing I, I about that character, cool. th those characters that like was like race centric anyway. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing like culturally, ethically like that stood out about that character. Well, you know what people are going to say. It's it's like when you first see like I mean like like I said, it didn't bother me, but it's like I did do a double take at first. Like wait a minute. And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, it really doesn't matter. Her character, her arc for her character really didn't have that much of a meaning. And then Keys only made it through, Captain Keys only made it through the first movie, the first game. So he, right. it really didn't matter there either. So I do agree. It doesn't make a big deal. But I do, I can't see people looking at it like, oh, wait a minute. Hold well, up. Why he did is they very prominent in the books, though. Because he, he, oh, even, very. Oh, he, like he through a lot helps, of the books. He, he helps even Hazley uh, pick out the children. You know, so yeah, I, I I think the biggest thing that a lot of people are going to be, I think the one thing that I, I'm not really interested, I'm not going to say interested, but I'm not really worried about the arc of what Master Chief is because I kind of think they have a really good plan for that. Prop, hopefully they do, but I'm I'm taking it on on oath that they do. But I really want to know where this whole human on the high console of the Covenant is oh, going to play itself out. The, now this is what I'm sitting there like. What in yeah, the was, world and how yeah, did this happen? Yeah. How did this happen? Like, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't I, my it wasn't my favorite creative liberty. No, that that definitely wasn't my favorite. I was like, literally, your mortal I, I enemy. Almost forgot, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, literally, the mortal enemy of your species is on your high console. It kind of even you are, upsets the entire point of like why the they they they're so hard have such a hard on against the humans in the first place it's maybe you know it's maybe all right you know we can move on we can move on it's, now that i said that slow was like oh yeah i, I dislike this even hey, more. i'm <laughs> gonna call it now it is dr halsey's daughter mm -hmm. hmm? oh I, I just just realized what he just said <laughs> Hmm. I, I don't know what, what did you say? Did you say? I said I feel deep down in my soul it's going to be like Dr. Halsey's daughter or something like that or a clone of her genetic uh, you know uh, oh you mean the, the quality the or something human. like that yeah, okay, the, yeah the high profit well you do realize that they they're they're setting that up you know having her go up to the uh, machine and everything and touching and doing all that stuff and talking about cloning and stuff like that you know that's going to come into play at some point and i would not be surprised in what three months we come back and delhi comes back on the show like i told you <laughs> right right all right, look, we'll I wouldn't on. be surprised we'll at all. Um, so, Sony Interactive Entertainment has acquired a new studio, and that is Haven Studios. And Haven Studios is being led by Jade Raymond. Jade Raymond, um, who ha is more more well known for her work with uh, on Assassin's Creed. I think she was one of the lead directors or producers for. Uh, this was Assassin's Creed 2, right? I'm not, I'm not too big on the Assassin's Creed franchise, so for me, that, that might be a little uh, out of uh, my wheelhouse. Uh, which Assassin's Creed did she do? Was it 2? Uh, I think she did... Um, she helped create Assassin's Creed 1, 2, and then she jump-started the original Watch Dogs. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool, 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 cool. cool. So... She, she used to work with Ubisoft, of course, and then she went to EA, 
uh, didn't actually launch a game with EA. Uh, there was uh, everything that she worked on always ended up getting canceled or for, for various reasons or one another. I, yeah, she was a general manager on Battlefront too, but I'm not entirely mm -hmm. sure what that even means. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then she went to, uh, she left EA to head up Stadia's first party studios, which unfortunately turned out to not do anything at all because Google really wasn't serious about this whole gaming industry thing in the first place. And so they shut all of them down. And then that's when she decided to just start her own studio, Haven Studios. And uh, their first project is a, a PlayStation exclusive, said to be a multiplayer game. We don't know exactly what kind of multiplayer game. I've heard everything from an MMO to a battle royale to whatever, right? Who knows what it is? But whatever it is, it must be extremely impressive to uh, the Sony leadership because they've, they've acquired the studio, which I think uh, probably might turn out to be a, a pretty good thing. Uh, I wanted to just uh, say a quick few quotes from the blog from Herman Holst real quick and then we can get into discussing how we feel about this uh, so uh, Herman said that we began working with Jade and her team in early 2021 when they were on the brink of announcing the formation of Haven Studios um, from their first pitch we were inspired by Haven's vision for creating a modern multiplayer experience that brings gamers together in positive and meaningful ways we were confident in their creative and technical expertise to deliver on such an ambitious project and were thrilled to invest in their journey developing a new original ip for playstation so yeah uh deli what do you think about this man uh well i just want to say that it's probably most likely um what's it called that they went to playstation was like i want to build game of the year or i want to build a live service game or i want to build like they definitely tuned into the interests of whatever sony was doing at the time mm -hmm. um i think montreal is a great spot because not only is it her backyard but I, it is also the backyard of a studio that she headed in 2004. And she has definitely a lot of connections and friends and cohorts that are around the area. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a great spot. Plus, you know, they're in Canada, so they should be right nearby deviation games. I don't know how close, but they're close to them closer than somebody like, you know, Santa Monica. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's cool. I think that there's definitely a lot of talent that is there that has existed with each other for a while so there's a definitely amount of synergy that uh sony is buying with that kind of money i think that when you have a talent pool that is worked together before and is veterans in the industry i think that that kind of talent is valuable because not only is it the core strengths of you know x and y ips that they've worked on over the course of the last decade or two decades now but it's also like the core values of the original teams that started these like wonderful franchises mm -hmm. and that's something that you can't really replicate um and we can and we could take that with 343 um as an example as a prime example where 343 has and the coalition like they have members of like the original team but they don't have the founding 
knowledge. They don't have the founding mission statement. They don't have the core talent. They don't have what's it called? Um, they don't have that vision, that overarching vision that happens when you have a, a, a team of talent that has worked together for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a brilliant move, to be honest with you. And I think it's in a spot that Sony doesn't have a lot of pull in until now. Agreed. Agreed. Forte, what do you think, man? No, I, I think um, um, she's been around the block when it comes to a lot of different studio stuff. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people were kind of just talking about over the course of the last couple of days. Um, really hasn't had anything uh, of no come out just due to the fact that she was with um, she was with Am- no, not Amazon, Google. And then that whole thing kind of fell through and then she found herself um, creating Haven Studios and she's been with Sony ever since then. I think Sony saw something from the very beginning when it came to um, just funding the development of the game from the beginning. And um, it looks like they made a lot of really good headway. And they decided to say that we wanted to back this even further by making that a part of uh, the first party. I'm always happy to see developers like this because right now it's acquisition season. Um, if anybody can get the bag and get themselves secured to a point where they don't have to worry about financial gains or anything like that. And all they got to do is make games. That's always a, a positive. Um, there's always negatives because you have quarters and stuff. You don't really, you know, answer to yourself or anything no more. You got to answer to the the higher ups above you. But I think that is the direction that they wanted to, she wanted to go in with the company and everything because um, it looks like they're trying to make something special over there. And Sony definitely saw the. Um, they basically saw exactly what that was ahead of time to actually see what they want to do. And it kind of just reminds me of the same thing with like Bungie and stuff. You know, they got a chance to see behind the curtain when it comes to a lot of stuff that they were creating on top of the fact that they're going to be able to help them with their lives, their games of a live service. So just imagine, you know, what's going on with Haven and the type of game that they're making, being able to get expertise from somebody like Bungie when it comes to like some type of games of a service or some type of live service thing that they're trying to do. I think that's basically part of the reason why they wanted to make this acquisition too, because it's heading in a direction that Sony wants to go with their games, not all of their games, but they want to have, they don't want to be left out of this service based system when it comes to the games that they create and everything, because they know that that's revenue on top of revenue year over year, um, um, time at the time. So, um, Jay Raymond just happens to be in a great place when it comes to being able to make something like that. And I think that her expertise over the course of the last few decades have definitely wanted her to get the chance to actually do something like that. But it's going to be a while until we see what this game is. It ain't going to be you, you, probably probably 2024 until we see anything of note, like or even a trailer footage or anything. Yeah, right. Like anything at all. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel you on that. Um, I, I like like I said I, I think this is a good move uh, for them they they clearly are do, making uh, headway into into uh, investing in multiplayer experiences and it's something that like uh, despite how great of a la- last generation they had when it came to their first party experiences and the games that they provided there was very little in the means of multiplayer experiences for people who care for those right. now look they relied on third parties for that but as you see now with the in acquisition season you can't rely on third party for anything 
because you never know if that third party that's been gonna be around. Will, yeah, will be will be still even making games on your platform or not. Like no, no. Fortunately yeah. for them, they'll still get Call of Duty in the future. But they, you, you know, if, but if I was Jim Ryan or Sony leadership, I don't want to even ever rely on the fact that my that my competition continuing to to do that based upon what the government may be forcing them to do in order to get this deal done is is the only way i'm getting like that the level of multiplayer games that i was i was enjoying before instead how about i create our own my own multiplayer experiences that can rival what we were getting from third parties or used to be third parties now the competitions party that's another thing now like <laughs> i the biggest selling game on my platform is now my competition's game like i don't want that i i, I want it to be my games forget their games and so i think yeah. this is what what you do you start investing in that and i think something that chris singleton chris singleton in the chat said that i absolutely agree with is that they are getting studios specifically for certain roles. They're getting studios to make live service games instead of trying to force their already established current studios who have a a culture, who have a workflow and a game design that works for them and is successful to start making experiences that they are not quite familiar with. And that can lead to mixed results. That can lead to some disappointments especially mm -hmm. if like they don't uh bring in enough people who have enough experience in making those kind of games instead try to transition people who are used to making different things try to do something that's out of their wheelhouse like i don't want to see see insomniac make a, a battle royale i don't want to see that <laughs> when insomniac to keep doing what insomniac are you sure about that i don't know man a marvel battle royale would be pretty good you know, it, it would be pretty good. I don't know I'm if, if Insomniac is is the one to to do it. You know, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Oh, but, I also I spoke. I misspoke earlier. Deviation Games. I don't know if they have a Canadian studio, but that they're located in uh, L.A. I I was thinking of another studio, but my bad, uh, y'all. Okay, um, maybe uh, is it Firewalk? I think so. But, there, yeah, there is there Firewalk is a, is a, a Canadian is a, based studio. Yeah, because they, they they Firewalk is also making an exclusive game for PlayStation as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I guess. Um, oh, Chris Nicholson says Playground Games is making Fable, but like that's actually a, a method of making a different kind of game that I'm cool with because Playground actually created a whole second studio to make Fable. So the people who make yeah. who make Horizon, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah. Horizon, yeah, Forza Horizon. Forza Horizon aren't the same people that's making Fable. They actually made a whole different um, studio for that. Same way Respawn made a whole separate studio for uh, the Star Wars game. So it's not the same people that's making uh, Titanfall, Apex Legends. You actually hired people who already have experience in successfully launching games of that format to help teach you you teach your other people who will be you know transitioning over to make sure the culture is still the same but actually lead in making 
really successful games so yeah that, that's the way it works and uh and persona says deviation is opening a studio in canada so there we go that that kind of answers that question thank thank you persona uh yeah so like look it's uh you know i i actually kind of feel like sony will probably acquire continue to acquire studios uh, throughout the year it wouldn't surprise me at all if they acquired just as many studios this year as they did last year uh as i said it's acquisition season and if you don't acquire those studios someone else will it's if you see talent you see someone that's extremely talented and and you don't want to lose that talent and not have the games they make potentially not be on your platform you're going to do what you got to do to bring them in uh, I, I guess one more question I would have before we move on to the whole Game Pass topic. Uh, which studio, if you believe they're going to acquire another studio this year, which studio do, do you guys think they will be acquiring? Uh, uh, Deli, go, you can go first. Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like you're not. Not a honest. single clue. Yeah, I don't feel like you're not. <laughs> Wait, not a but, single clue. We, 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 can, we can let that go for now. Forte, Forte, what do you, what do you think, man? Uh, <sighs> what's the name of the studio that just did Sifu? Because I think that would be Slow, that slow, would clap. Be slow, slow, slow clap. clap. I think that would be, I think that is, for that to be a game that they just created, I think that would be, especially since they have a partnership already, um, I think that would probably be a really, really good move for them to actually go into that direction. Hmm. Okay. Just go ahead and lock that up. Get you get lock. I think um, people are already getting to the point where we see it with uh, from software with their games and stuff. People are really, really digging this whole souls genre and stuff right now uh i think that's just going to get bigger and bigger over the course of not just this generation but going to the generations in the future why not lock up one of the big one of the um the best games that came out this year when it comes to that um when it comes to those type of games and um, get people excited for something that you can build inside of your own first party uh, studios and not have to worry about like you said depending on what FromSoft is going to do with their games, putting it on multiple platforms, unless you're going to go get FromSoft. Now, if you're going to get FromSoft, that's completely different. But, but if you, you ain't doing that, slow cap, I think, be, would be a good one. Getting FromSoft would not be a very uh, straightforward endeavor. You're, they, it sure Soft wouldn't is already, be. It's already owned by a different company. It's so, done by, so you have to do some other stuff to get them. Right, so you would have to, like, I think, and I think Sony already has, like, a minority stake in that company anyway, but you would they have do. to make some kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, yeah make some... So it, it wouldn't be an easy thing to do. I will go out of left field here, okay? This is completely out of left field. There I will is... entertain that, okay. and I will do one with you. Devolver right, Digital. What? What? You can't be throwing more in there. Devolver Digital. They're going to no, buy a publisher. Not, Devolver not, Digital. No, I didn't know. I wasn't going to go with a publisher. That would make their marketing go through the roof. Because oh, that, that would be Digital great. To, Devolver Yo, Digital know how oh, to market. <laughs> man, look, look if have Devolver Digital's uh, start doing E3 shows for them. That, that would be freaking amazing. It'd be, be freaking amazing. <laughs> Alright, so look, no, it's not Devolver Digital. This, this is you guys would never guess what I'm about to say here. Aspire. No. They have Z. Yeah. They have very little presence in uh, 
Western RPGs right now with the way that the, the market has gone and what Xbox has acquired and they did money hat the Kotar remake as a timed exclusive for PlayStation um, um, and, and not going to be on Xbox for like a year or two or something like that why not go even further and Aspire isn't just making Kotar remake they have done mobile games before so they and and prior to doing Kotar remake they were they did all of the versions of uh Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 that have shown up on iOS and Android so they have familiarity with mobile games which can help them get further further uh entrenched in a different market in the mobile market with they can start transitioning some of your your uh well-known ip in the console market to have a uh a relatable experience in mobile you know so i think it would kind of like benefit them in multiple ways is in addition to providing them uh, a high profile game star wars game um and a, a well-known classic that a lot of people love on your on your platform exclusively forever Mm. So that's good my point. Idea. That's my idea. Uh, you, uh, Delhi, you said you were going to have one that was. Uh, yeah, I want to throw one out of left field. Uh, I was originally going to say. Go. I was originally going to just just buy WB, but um, <laughs> Remedy Entertainment. Um, I know that they haven't had the best track record with Crossfire X, but I think that they. I visited their studio not too long ago, um, like a little while ago, and they are i spoke with a bunch of devs and stuff and it was very cool and they're very awesome and i think that they're what's it called not market leader but they're they're definitely a company that has a lot of ability has a lot of talent has a lot of leeway when it comes to making the things they want and making and making the things that they want work in the way that others don't like let's say like cdpr let's say like you know um um rockstar games um and a couple of and a couple of other studios uh so yeah i think as well that they're also uh such a large like they're surprisingly a very large studio they have their own um in-house mocap studio and everything like that so I think that it would be a very, very good move for Sony to acquire Remedy Entertainment solely for the fact that they have pull on both uh, console market and PC. They also have the talent um, and they also have the know-how to to create multiple IPs and multiple genres without like horrendously screwing them up. Um, so they do like most of the time they do third person over the shoulder um action adventure games which is like something that is right directly up sony's alley um but they have fps you know they have solid um action games they have great shooting mechanics um a lot of the people that work at remedy have worked across the industry um in many other places as well too so and most of the people who work at remedy have worked at remedy for like at least a decade so again that that's just talent right there that is indispensable i i i agree remedy would be a good gift for them although i do kind of wonder i feel like remedy is too invested in other games 
Like, I, I, I don't know if, like, they will want to acquire Remedy knowing that Remedy has contracts with, like, Epic for for games uh, with Tencent. <laughs> stuff like that, right? So, like, mm-hmm. they... They got like four. I think uh, I think it was it was spoken of uh, that they got like four games that we're currently working on, maybe five or something like that. Like so, they're working on a lot of different games that are already spoken for for other publishers, or in and how like how long would it take them to start making something exclusive just for PlayStation and PC? You know, so like I, I don't know maybe if that would be like it was kind of like put a pause on that for a few years until some of that stuff gets out, out of the way what do you think um i mean again they have the resources they have over 300 employees mm-hmm. um in, in studio and also they work with sony quite often because their support studios are sony's xdev studios um oh yeah, yeah so yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like they that. don't have an already existing relationship with sony um with the stuff with Tencent and their IPs that they're currently creating with them, I mean, with acquisitions and stuff going in, I mean, and contracts being already laid out and stuff like that, I, I don't see that it would be any different than the Microsoft one where, you know, they wait for the deal to go through, the contracts to expire, this and that, mm-hmm. the funding to go through the games to be launched out, and then that's when they can allocate resources to, like, a newer project. Um, but it's not like they aren't centered close by to uh guerrilla games located in amsterdam so Mm. you know they definitely have a lot of talent surrounding them on the sony side in order to help them create something new with the five projects they're already currently creating um so if they can handle five projects by themselves with 300 employees um and with little crunch i think that that's that speaks very highly of the studio and the staff gotcha gotcha cool cool um all right i can move on to our last topic of the night which is game pass at the game developers conference and so uh gdc has been this week and it's been this week right yeah at this this it's been this week and um something that was uh kind of brought out today with I'm look I'm tired I can't remember if it was today or not maybe it may have been yesterday <laughs> whatever but regardless this week let's say this week yeah it was sometime this week there we go so what what, what kind of came out of this is some statistics some data in regards to uh how game pass is going and what game pass is doing for developers and publishers so that's what the game developers conference is about it's for game developers and so like you see seminars and things where they're they're discussing how to do things uh uh, how to develop a certain game design or features in your game and then you see stuff like Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond sitting down as if like they were just having brunch or something, just casually talking about the the service that is the foundation of their platform and how it's it's helping developers and publishers. So real quick, uh, what I want to do is just talk about some of those things that uh, were brought up here. And so uh, what they're saying is that subscribers play 40% more games after joining Game Pass. They're saying that games... Uh, Forte, are you, what are you doing? You said what? Uh, I'm hearing a lot of background noise from you. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, All right. thanks, thanks, man. Uh, games on average see 8.3 
times the lift in players i i don't know is that is that was lift concurrent players is that what that means i don't know um day one launches see 3.5 times lift in players for large publishers and for indies 15 times and subscribers spend 50 percent more within game pass and indies see triple digit revenue growth so what do you what do we think about this delhi i know you had some thoughts about game pass in the past about its viability and whether it was good for developers or not do you do do this does this data change anything for you in regards to your your thoughts about game pass not really i mean you know i'm gonna be honest with you this slideshow this powerpoint stuff is just it's so funny because these graphs don't feel like they're made by anybody who actually cares about numbers um these graphs are for essentially advertising you know because if they're at gdc they're advertising in indies they're advertising to people who are starting studios who are uh, just formed studios or are networking so this stuff isn't really to appeal to somebody who works at blizzard this is somebody to who works like like a, a phil fish who you know made fez so uh, this first slide that I'm seeing is like Game Pass broadens the funnel for games. The distribution of player lift. Recent Game Pass back, back catalog titles. 90 days pre versus post entry. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what they're using as a metric for back catalog titles. So I'm assuming games that haven't played in, let's say, 10 days. That gets automatically added to the back catalog. Um, category in, in their statistic um so if we're seeing a median of like 8.3 then i mean you know 10 is a nice easy round number so that means eight days earlier it comes out of the, the back catalog um so that that's a pretty good pretty good number um but that means nothing to game developers because it's like what does you know like what what is a game doing in the back catalog like, if that game is not getting reached, it's not getting plays, we're not getting money. So we'll, you know, I'm not entirely sure what this graph is supposed to even display and how that affects consumers. Consumers will just inevitably use this number for console warring, but for game developers, I don't even know what this metric is supposed to mean. Like, I've never heard of a, a back catalog title before prior to this slide, so I, I don't know. Like, Again, I, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. a back catalog title would be... Uh, I mean, that that does seem to be just older games. For example, maybe like say like uh, I know this is first party, so it probably doesn't really apply to this particular graph because clearly they care. But like say, Gears of War Two, that's a back catalog game because that's probably been in Game Pass for a long time, and mm -hmm. it's uh, it's an older game. It's two generations old at this point. So I mean, I guess that. Uh, how that would apply to someone who's going to put probably a brand new game in or maybe an older game like say if ubisoft wants to put the division one back into game pass then you know maybe you would look at like oh well you know this is how older titles are performing i don't know i don't know but forte what do you what do you think about uh, this particular because now I'm just showing the, the graphs yeah I mean did they use this metric before in like 2016 2017 2018 I don't know I don't know yeah I, I'm I, as far as my knowledge it's the first time I've ever seen this 
specific like unit of measurement got you okay well, okay well let's move to the next one then there was another this other one that talks about game pass broadens the funnel for day and date games which is seems to be the the biggest uh the biggest draw. thing that they do yeah yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah the game pass is getting games that are launch games like the day the game launches for example rainbow six extraction launched in january i forgot which day in january but it was also available in game pass the same day that it came out uh, same thing with tunic that came out last week so we see here large publishers it says this that that 3.5 times where it says launch comps uh not game pass D and then game pass D and then or idea xbox creators okay so that's actually a little bit different than what mm-hmm. uh, yeah. benji had wrote in his tweet because it's not just indies it's idea xbox indie so like if you not all indie games in game pass are idea xbox games so yeah that that's a little bit different but 15 times so that might actually be a little maybe a little bit of a cooking in the books you know as they they say there where you're you're specifically talking about a subset of of games that have already gone through a little bit of promotion with you with id at xbox and then they also launch day and date and game pass and i don't even know how many games have done that Mm-hmm. I fit that criteria maybe like less than five maybe well i mean let's let's use like they're just using generic numbers here but let's just actually fill in those numbers let's solve for x here so large publishers xbox daily average user average first 30 days so the launch competition will be something that's not game pass and that's not game pass day and date so let's just use google stadia okay so mm-hmm. slow mo's game um you know back for blood comes out on stadia and comes out on slow-mo got a game, game coming Pass. out yep so slow-mo's game comes out on stadia and it comes out on game pass on judging by this metric if they comes out on stadia then it will be 3.5 times less people that reach the that play the game in the first 30 days mm-hmm. um day on daily average first 30 days of that month um, so 3.5 sounds like a great number, like, yo, you know, 3.5, but like if, uh, you know, like if a hundred people play your game, you know, 350 sounds not that great, but 3.5 sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. so for large publishers, I mean, this, this could probably mean something along the lines of like a hundred, let's say a hundred thousand people. That's a pretty even number. So that's the difference between a hundred thousand people and 350,000 people, um, returning it, uh, yeah, turning the game back on every single day for the first 30 days. So that's, you know, that's a pretty decent number. But let's look at the ID at Xbox one. It's the ID at Xbox is now using a different metric. It's using the monthly average users average first 90 days. So not only does it the metric increase from 30 days to 90 days, now they're separating it from a 30-day interval with a one-time collection pool for the month to a three-time collection pool for three months in over the course of 90 days. Uh, yeah, I didn't so, notice that. So what is it, wh- like, why 
triple the 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 average day pool you know to to go off of probably because they that fit that number 15 times it looks better great. it looks way it better. looks it yeah. looks way better right. you know 15 times is great until you break down the numbers and let's say your game slow mo's game is averaging you know a hundred thousand users well 1.5 million users is like man that's pretty awesome but a 1.5 million users over the course of 90 days it's i mean it's still pretty good for an indie game right, right but yeah. let's 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 be realistic with ourselves here right so like uh let's say tunic uh player numbers if we grab that well let's see tunic game oops my bad if we google that real quick um let's just use steam charts and then let's just round that off um all-time peak four days ago was 2500 the game just came out players playing right now 1500 um so let's you know let's double those numbers for pc and for xbox as well too so all-time peak 5000 and then players right now 3000 well 5000 times 15 is oh man i'm so bad at math um is 75000 users mm-hmm. like that sounds great that is great for an indie game but if you look at other indie games like Death's Door, that game made like, I don't know, $3 million? Like, that's a lot of users right there. So this, like, 15 times number is, like, obviously, like, again, like I said earlier, it's made by somebody who in marketing. It's not made by somebody who actually cares about numbers. Mm-hmm. Because there's if, if you just actually read the fine print, the Xbox monthly average users first 90 days, like that means you're just turning the game on for the <laughs> the first time in the first 90 days of the game's launch day and date on Game Pass. So from for let's say for Forza, even though it's not a Xbox or ID at Xbox game, let's say for Forza, that's it launches in October or November. Let's say October. You uh, know, that means Yeah, I think wait. Well, yeah, Forza, like late October, I think, was Forza. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just say November. Yeah. So if you turn on Forza, download it and play it one time, let's say one hour, from November to February, it counts for this number. But how many people are actively playing Forza from November to February? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a, a pretty... A played the first two weeks. Yeah, a lot of them played the first two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I see people on my Xbox playlist or my friends list that only have like, I don't know, a hundred hours in the game, and and I'm like, that's great and all, but like, the game's been out for six, seven months now, or six months now, and you only have a hundred hours in the game. Like, I've Elden Ring's been out for two weeks or three weeks now, and I have almost a hundred hours in the game. I have sixty two hours in the game. Yeah, I have so, yeah. fifty hours in that game. <laughs> yeah, so it's like if, if you increase yeah. the the you know the 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 metric pool by you know let's say 90 days here like that number looks astronomical but i i don't know how viable that is for xbox games and like you said earlier id at xbox is specifically id at xbox creators so these are creators that have already been funded by xbox this isn't some this isn't me with my racing you know simulator game indie game um with no marketing this they don't count me into the equation so when people use this number for indie devs as a whole like that's wrong like right over here benji sales says for indies 15 times like 
no, this is specifically for, you know, ID at Xbox creators, which I don't know how many there are, but let's say, let's say, I think Tunic was. So yeah. this is, they, they this do, is they Tunic. They do have a lot of ID at Xbox creators. Like, but if you look at like last year and this year, uh, out of all the, 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 the games that they showed at ID at Xbox, how many yeah, of them yeah. have already come out? You know, it's probably mm-hmm. not a lot. And a lot of them, also weren't in game pass at long short because death's door sh- was first shown at id at xbox yes that game didn't launch into into uh game pass it showed up in game pass months later um, mm-hmm. i think in january it did but like uh, and uh, and and sorry go ahead yeah, i was gonna do the super chat real quick shout out to like light gamer with a ten dollar super chat we appreciate you sir and he says I-, I never get to watch live just stopping by to show some support i'm downloading this and watching it later at work Appreciate you, bro. Hope you have a appreciate a, it, bro. A, a easy day at work, man. I understand uh, how it is, uh, especially if you're working night shift. You know, I, I definitely have been there Facts. before. And I never would ever do it again. <laughs> Won't do um, it again. But uh, let uh, we could go to the the next slide real quick. Just uh, yeah. Well, all, all I have to say is that Death Door wouldn't count for this because while they are an ID at Xbox creator, they did not drop day and date exactly so that yeah that didn't count as well so so it doesn't it, it, you know it doesn't i don't know what this 15 times is supposed to do for us uh the, the next slide was total value game pass members are willing to invest in their experiences members spend 50 percent more than lookalike users spend is higher across all types of transactions so they show a non-game pass lookalike uh, this interesting term there you know that could be like stadia that could be luna that could be um Mm -hmm. shadow pc that could be let's say you know let's just use google stadia that's a pretty that's a pretty unanimously good one so google stadia 50 percent total spending more than people on google on yeah Google Stadia. And they broke it down by game add-ons and consumables. The mm -hmm. game 60%, add-ons 45%, and the consumables 45% as well. But if we give actual round numbers, let's say Slow-Mo spends $10 on Stadia, that means 60% more is $6. So that Mm -hmm. means somebody spent $16 on Game Pass. If we look at the actual numbers, like let's say we just fill in the numbers, $16 doesn't sound like a lot of money at all. So, so like everybody, think, think everybody has been, twenty bucks. It would have been better served to actually show concrete numbers instead of just percentages. I mean, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't assist them in their point. Mm. They're here yeah, to, yeah. they're here to sell to people at GDC. They're not right. here to sell to people at sitting at home. You know what I mean? So Very this, true. these this, slides this aren't the point for I was us. Last night on Brap is that like, yeah. yeah, none of this is for us. This is for yeah. people at GDC decision makers for developers and publishers this is for them this is to convince them to start putting more of their games day and date in game pass or to you know at least shorten that time period for when they are think about putting their game into game pass and not just kind of do it as a last ditch effort to kind of save a game after you've already failed the marketing and not got the pre-order numbers that you thought you were going to get a la what Ubisoft did with Rainbow Six Extraction. Because at that point, it's just like, Game Pass ain't really helping you at that point, if, if anything. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna get some people that's gonna, hey, I was not even, game wasn't even remotely on my radar. But since it's coming in Game Pass in two weeks, sure, I'll download it and install it. So you will get those kind of people to be like, yeah. all right, you know, look, it turned out to not be that bad a game. But like, 
those people were so far away from actually buying your game that trying it in Game Pass probably isn't going to actually entice them to actually buy your game with that discount that Game Pass gives you. They'll probably just be like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, and I and I don't I don't want to sound like I'm hating on Game Pass, or whatever. But like like I I as a game developer, as a former indie developer, if I'm up there, I want to know like I want to know what I'm putting my chips into, right? Like mm-hmm. this lookalike service. Okay, so let's like I mean, look at the titles, right? Game Pass members are willing to invest in their experiences. Okay, members. But if you look at the actual graph, it says Game Pass member average. So it's a singular member. So you know, not everybody's spending $200 on Game Pass. Like, I mean, I had Game Pass and I bought Forza Horizon 5 and it gave me like a $10, you know, whatever it may be. So, I mean, I'm I'm included in this number as well too. But like, I don't know. I just think it's misleading for, you know, graphical sake to say that like a, you know, a person would spend, a singular person would spend 45% more on add-ons, you know, 45% more on consumables. I don't even know what that means and 60% more on actual games than a non-Game Pass baseline, which is would be something like Stadium. But disregarding mm. the fact that Game Pass has 25, 30 million users and Stadia has 1 million users. So obviously, the, the, the members are going to spend more on Game Pass because there's more members there. There's a larger uh, a pool to pull from right. in Game Pass. So it's like... All these percentages look great, but we really, as a game developer and as a person in business, like we really need concrete numbers. If so, if somebody so, so if you're gonna you think, yeah, you think when they say non-game pass, like the the representative of, of this, the baseline that is non-game pass, isn't really saying this is the non-game pass person that is on the Xbox platform. It could literally be any platform. Yeah, it could be anything. Uh, when I see non-game pass baseline, a non-game pass like when I say non-game pass, that that's somebody who is it, it's not game pass. So that's uh, you know Google Stadia, Amazon Luna, that's I don't know, you know, slow-mo's garage sale. Like you know what I mean? Like it yeah. could be anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean guy who owns an Xbox like me. But, but guy who owns Xbox pass. but doesn't own Game Pass anymore because you know, Halo Infinite's free, and I already bought Forza. So, what do I need Game Pass for? So, this, you know, that's not including me, because I don't, you know, there's no baseline for me. Like, I'm not a Game Pass user, and I'm not a, I'm not a, a PlayStation Now user, so I, I don't fit in the baseline. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, uh, last part is, the last slide is, Game Pass has contributed to the growth of independent developers and publishers, and then we have again idea at Xbox partners total revenue total revenues this is revenues for uh peer to peer games on Xbox Oh no uh, that is 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 pay pay to play or pay or to pay, play you know or pay pay you know it, it's um it stands for uh, whenever somebody plays a game they're paid an x amount usually pennies on that uh and that threshold has and i touched about if nobody in chat has seen it but i touched about this like months ago on my game subscription tweet um but this is usually pennies on the hour Mm -hmm. so if you play the game for 30 minutes the game developer doesn't get any money it has to be a specific metric that xbox set and again this is specifically for id at xbox partners this isn't some right this This isn't isn't some indie person yeah yeah this is this isn't a I think of another indie game. 
that uh that that is is on Xbox but not in ID and Xbox. Uh, I can't think of anything right now. I don't know, lawnmower simulator. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it like was I, on there. Oh, it was that was in Audi and Xbox? No, I'm just saying it was in Game Pass. Oh, it was. All right, well, yeah. Well, well, well okay. We don't, I mean, that, that's, that's a, that's a that's good that one. Works. That yeah, works perfect, because it's, yeah. it's not an idea that Xbox game, but it's in Game Pass. So if that, if whatever numbers Lawnmower Simulator has, whether it had great growth or not great growth, it wouldn't be reflected in this in this graph in this uh this PowerPoint slide at all because it's not idea to Xbox partner. I do wonder why they specifically did idea to Xbox partners because it, it looks was, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay. <laughs> those games are on the front page. It looks good. Yeah, it's true. They they're are. marketing them because they they work with them. So yeah, maybe this is getting as you were saying, like this is being marketed to publishers, to developers, and they want hey look. Get into the idea at Xbox program. Cause look, look, look what idea Xbox partners are getting that you're not getting as an indie developer. Not yeah. doing that, you know. So, but like, they don't yeah. tell you that it, you have to apply for it, and they could tell you no. So it's mm. like this number doesn't pertain to you if they tell you no. And again, this is something that I touched down on my tweet months ago. It's like when you lean on this large developer to constantly feed you stuff, to constantly give you funding, to give you money, you're eventually going to continue to come back and lean and lean more and more until you either get one acquired by uh microsoft or two end up being like well i don't have any money left uh can you give me more money and then id at xbox is like well you know I, we don't have any more money to give you you know and this is like this is a you know case by case situation like there are plenty of indie games that have come out in the last year that are wonderful that mm-hmm. are id at xbox games but there are also thousands of indie games that have come out on game pass in the last year that nobody's ever played yeah, I, I I did also want to touch on something that uh is that I found out that was uh interesting. So like I've been kind of following, you know, I, I'm big on indie games and indie and there's a turn based strategy RPG called Lost Adelons that the first time I saw it was actually at the ID at Xbox show they did last year, and that developer I've been kind of watching their Q and As where their community manager and one of their devs come out and kind of speak to the people who have been following the game i i'm a, i have uh i'm a part of the kickstarter so i have access to the beta and uh, and and i already have played the alpha but uh i remember in one specific uh one specific uh q a uh they were asked directly because they were with you know in id at xbox about whether the game would be in game pass um at launch and they didn't specifically say that whether they wanted it to be in there at launch, but they did say they wanted their game in Game Pass, but Microsoft hasn't allowed it to happen. So th- there yeah. is even that where I, there's you could you could be see this and be like, oh man, let me get it, let me get my game into ID at Xbox, and then not actually get any of the benefits of whatever this is supposed to be showing. Because they'll let you in that ID at Xbox, but they won't give you uh, the opportunity to be in Game Pass for whatever reason. So it's it's uh, I don't know how what's going on behind Weird. the scenes with that, but that was very it's... very interesting to see. The, the developer there is Ocean Drive Studio. That's the, mm-hmm. the name the the dev for Lost Out of Lines. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, this one this graph is ID at Xbox partners total revenue okay so you're looking at specifically the id at xbox program 
revenues for um pay pay to play games on xbox 2020 versus 2016 and then in the asterisk it says for id at xbox partners that had game pass deals that had game pass deals in 2017 to 2020 okay so let's you know 2016 is their baseline right so 2016 is like a hundred percent a hundred dollars whatever x x amount of dollars right so the independent developers that have seen triple-digit growth to their pay-to-play titles when comparing to prior of the launch of Game Pass. So you're comparing it to before Game Pass was a thing. How does that make sense? Of course it's going to look better. There's, you know, 20 million people, 30 million people on your subscription service. Like, again, I don't want to, like, I'm not, like, I love Game Pass, blah, 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 but I'm not here to trash it, but this is the frank reality of it as an indie developer, as a developer in general. If you're an independent developer, and you look at this graph, and you're like, man, 300%, that sounds sick, bro, I'm definitely going to sign up, and then you run into an issue where Microsoft signs you, and then tells you, no, it's not going to come day and date on on Game Pass, which means that, yes, you're an ID at Xbox partner, but because you're not day and date, you don't fall into this graph or the graphs that that we showed uh prior or let's say that your triple growth to their pay-to-play titles but they're these games have to have game and add-on revenues and also have to have game pass uh participation payments and bonuses so that means specifically that they have to accept you in a game pass and you have to be able to get their payment and bonus structure and then also this is factory in the fact that if your game has add-ons if your game doesn't have add-ons then that's a chunk of uh, of money that you're missing as well too so let's say you know you sell an add-on you sell dlc for ten dollars and you're an id at xbox partner so that means xbox takes something like you know they give you a 90 10 so out of the not out of the ten dollars you make ten dollars and they take one dollar that's pretty cool but if your game doesn't have any add-ons then you don't even get that money anyways. So now you're just relying on the Game Pass participation payments and bonuses, which again, because this is specifically pay-to-play titles, again, not all of those indie games are pay-to-play titles, and this is case-by-case, and we don't know which ones are because those are developer contracts, NDAs, specifically between Xbox and indies. But let's just say all of them are. If you're making a tenth of a penny per play, per person, per hour, if you look at let's let's say Tunic, let you know, let's pull that number up from before. Mm-hmm. There's five thousand ple- people playing Tunic, right? So at you know pennies per hour or whatever, at five thousand, let's say five thousand hours, right? If we do five thousand hours, multiply that by a tenth of a penny. Um, I mean, you're you're looking at like five hundred bucks. That's not a lot. Yeah, it's not. That, that, that you know, that's that, I'm glad you're breaking it down like that. Shout out to uh Ramon Terrell with the five dollar Canadian. He says the similarities between Game Pass and Kindle Unlimited from consumer to creator is kind of staggering. And and, and you know, even though I, I always talk up how Ramon's an actor, Ramon's also an author as well. And me and him have had this conversation uh um in DM before. Really, he really broke it down um the the struggles that authors have and when when it comes to uh stuff like kindle unlimited and and other uh, formats like that and uh yeah this is this is it's 
everything that you're saying is really reminding me of a lot of the stuff that he had issues with, with when it comes to stuff like that. And yeah, this, this, all of this is, it's, it's fascinating in how, how it all works, but how also how similar it is, despite the difference in, in industry. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's still a subscription service and you got a, a, a number of different options within that service and how everything is designed uh, for, for you to get compensation. But is it are you really going to get the kind of compensation they are marketing you to get is a right. story. Um, yeah, man. Forte, hey, you got any thoughts about this, man? No, I was going to ask. So what so so what is the game? the the target game that I actually in your opinion thrive inside of this service uh again i touched this on my tweet i mean game developers are going to lean and lean on being able to churn out games that are very quick and easy so you're going to get unfortunately people i hate when people say this but indie fodder right they're gonna you're gonna get games that look lot alike you're going to get games that are procedurally generated levels you're going to get games that are roguelikes you're going to get games that are um simple and art style you're going to get games that are isometric um just naming those four things you have death's door you have um dang i can't remember i can't remember the other game um it's it's the one where you're oh I can't remember it right now but you have you have plenty of games like Tunic I think is also isometric correct yeah yeah it is yeah yeah so there's there's two um I don't know is the ascent fall into that category yes Hades the ascent um I don't know I think immortality follows into that as well too. Um, nobody saves the world. Dead static drive. Um, Sable I think follows it. Well, Sable I think is well. Yeah, it's kind of two D, three D, but it's it's like isometric. Um, Little Witch in the Woods. Uh, you're gonna get games like Trek to Yomi, uh, which I you know I'm no, I don't want to down I don't want to downplay these games. So like right. they're they're all great games, but there's they're, a reason why yes, they look. Yes. Slackroach, certain way. Order was was very popular when it first it first came into Game Pass. There's another one that's in Game Pass now. I can't. Oh man, I haven't tried it yet. But I'm about, now I'm about to pull it up, pull it up on my phone because I I've seen multiple people talk about how good that game is and uh have have recommended it to other people. But let me I I think it's a side scroller actually. Mm-hmm. Uh boy, I get, keep keep talking. I'm um Yeah, I, I I just like it's like it just seems like for Game Pass it just when it comes to like the developer side of it it's like if you're if you're not having crazy amounts of microtransactions and um just a user base that's willing to spend on stuff outside of just playing the game it's like you're just gonna get so basically you're just gonna keep getting games like this that are easy to turn out that you can actually get in, get out, get the next game in and out. Probably release three or four games over the course of a year and stuff like that, and um, just fu- like support yourself that way. Yeah, I mean, I I can talk a little bit about obviously the I applied to ID at Xbox like in twenty like forever ago, like mm-hmm. before I got hired on to ubisoft in the end of 2017 
So in the beginning of 2017, I, I have a tweet that I can pull up. Um, but I spoke to 12 publishers, and the one that um, I dislike the most, it is a publisher that we all know and love. They <laughs> love sports games, and they have two letters in their publishing no. company. Um, they offered me a hundred thousand dollars. Arts Electronica. <laughs> they, they're, it's something, but they offered me a hundred thousand dollars. They offered to own the IP, and then I make a um, what was it a eighty two twelve split or eighty eight twelve? Um, so I retain twelve percent of all sales, and they own my IP, and they only give me a hundred thousand dollars to make the game. Which like, like what does that even mean? Cool. Like yeah. what you know? In as a person who's an indie dev who's like starting, let's say I work on this game for like three or four years, I'm working at a freaking movie theater. I'm making like part time. Like my girlfriend's paying my bills. You know, mm-hmm. um, hello, hundred thousand dollars seems like great. You know, I t- I talked about it with um my partner in the studio, and he was like, oh yeah, this sounds great. And I was like, no, we need to read the legal print, dude. They own our IP. So that means that like, as soon as we fork it over, they can make it a sequel. They can can it. They could, I don't know. We can give them a vertical slice and they could clone it for cheaper in their internal studio. And then they could just pay me a hundred thousand dollars to steal my IP. Mm. Like they could do so much with just like, you know, that's a scary amount of power when you're looking at a dev who spent several years working on something that I have seen no money and then they offer like $100,000. So when you look at these ID at Xbox programs and other programs like Stadia and other things, like again, I spoke to 12 publishers and a lot of them told me the same thing, an 80-20 split, an 88-12 split. Um, Epic actually was super freaking awesome. They were going to do a uh, 92-8 split, um, but the funding was only up to a million dollars, provided that I had a staff of 25 and had turned in a monthly revenue or a monthly expense sheet, which is like, bro, I can't hire 24 people in in the course of a month by myself you know what i mean so that while that sounded great it was like those goals are inachievable for any indie dev Mm. and i can't just Mm. hire my friends because then the expense sheet is going to look like it's not going to look real yeah yeah the the game i was i was talking about real quick was young souls so you guys heard young souls Mm-mm. Mm-mm. okay yeah but that, that's a game that's been pretty popular in game pass recently so i, I guess that that might be when they do a, when they do another slide they'll be talking they'll be adding the young young souls in there for you know revenue of 2022 whatever uh it may be i actually um what you're talking about in regards to publishers and how publishers treat uh indie developers and with these contracts that are just completely one-sided and 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 almost make you kind of wonder like why even bother is i i saw a developer who did that out the publisher who did this to attempted this to him but he's an indie developer he has been showing his game and stuff like packs and stuff like that and he got a publisher coming to him mm-hmm. offering to publish his game for him and when he said well you know like look i'm not really all that interested but you know send me over something i'll take a look and we'll we'll, we'll see where where it goes and when they sent him 
the the contract he was just like flabbergasted at the audacity of it all <laughs> he was just like wait a minute and he actually like I, I i saw this twitter thread this was like sometime last year but he broke it down like from like in each tweet that in this twitter thread where he was breaking down a part of the contract that was just ridiculous and a lot of the stuff that you're bringing up about the fact that he could not uh re- um, they did allow him to retain his ip but only under the basis that he met certain deadlines if he missed any deadlines if he missed any kind of uh, uh milestones um that uh, the IP would be uh, the the ownership of IP would transfer over to the publisher, and it almost seemed like he felt like that was like a gotcha kind of deal. Like, yeah, we'll we'll get you to sign on because you think you're going to keep your IP, but mm-hmm. we haven't got as far as to actually discuss what these milestones are and if they're even realistic or reasonable. So, like, more than likely, if the game development is, like, three years long, at some point in time, like, we might have to delay the game. So what a delay of the game means that I lose my IP. So it's just, like, little things like that that made him uh, really side-eye the deal. And, And going back and forth with one of their producers, like, they were actually shocked by his his pushback which Mm -hmm. shocked me because i would think anybody who would take the time to want to make their own game this is their baby you know this is something that they have like uh created out of their brain or a group of people's brains and they they really want they most seems to me like most indies are very passionate about the game that they're making and for you to not for them it seems to be most people don't Maybe they're not reading their contracts, but the fact mm-hmm. that they were shocked that he would have like these bullet points of problems with that contract, and that if those aren't addressed, there's nothing that we we can even talk about. That that's kind of shocking to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. Like I always tell people, and and this is something that I actually heard from a fellow dev, uh, Luis Antonio. Uh, he used to work for Ubisoft back in the day. Um, and he actually left Ubisoft pretty recently to start up a small indie game that's published by Annapurna Interactive called 12 oh, okay. Minutes. I like it. And oh, yeah. yeah, 12 Minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 12 Minutes. Look. And he's he's an awesome guy. I spoke to him briefly. But he actually, it's so funny because I asked him about, I asked him one question. I said, what, when was the moment you thought to yourself that this was real, that you made it, that you can do this? And he mm-hmm. said that the time that he was working at Ubisoft, he had a side project. And we we all have side projects as developers. Like, it is what it is. But he had this awesome side project, and he was shelling it out at PAX and other things, and people were really confused. And this developer stepped in, and this developer um, being on a one of the big three, a certain color, um... They asked, you know, they stepped in, they went to give him some funding. They gave him, they didn't really double down on it because he hadn't had um, like the five or six levels to prove or anything. He just had a vertical slice. Mm -hmm. And at the time he had taken that money and he had went and asked, um, camera, which, uh, oh, the witness, he worked on the witness. He had came over to another indie studio um, and ask the guy from the witness and say, hey, what do you think about this deal? And 
at the time, ID at Xbox and and other things in Stadia and you know PlayStation's indie initiative was all coming up. You know, Annapurna had just became a thing. Devolver Digital was just like big in the indie scene. So it's like everybody was getting a contract. Everybody was getting a deal. So he had asked the guy from The Witness, he said, hey, what do you think about this? And the guy from The Witness told him this piece of advice. He said, if you, I was like, Google it. And Lewis was like, what? And he said, no, Google it. If you don't hear anything bad, <laughs> if you don't hear anything on the internet, bad, no bad publicity about whatever contract you're getting, whatever company you're working for, then it is too good to be true. So he took the easy way out and he met the deadlines and he took the initial money payment up front um, to hire PR and marketing and other things. And then he just bounced from contract to contract and he created 12 minutes over the course of four to five years. And then he eventually landed on a, uh, on Annapurna interactive, which actually gave him a really, really good deal. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was the advice that, or that was the answer that he gave me when I asked him about that specific situation. And again, it's crazy to think that uh, indie devs are walking into studios of other indie devs to talk shop about things that are going on in inside the space. But this is something that consumers won't ever know because they don't one they don't talk to devs, and two they don't. This isn't like a lot of consumers are more concerned with the AAA games. So indie games like. You know, people call them indie fodder. They call them Game Pass trash. They call them a bunch of different names. But it's like to us, indie devs and smaller devs or whatever, these are our livelihoods. So we really have to take it with a grain of salt when somebody comes in and says, hey, here's $100,000. Here's $500,000. Here's this this and that, you know? And it's crazy to me to think that when you have situations like that, Large companies prey and prey on these smaller things. Like you said, like it it would it did not surprise me when you were like, Yeah, uh, yeah, this is a crazy, uh, crazy requirement deadline. Like, if you miss this deadline, we own your IP. Like, that's just stuff that companies do so that they can just screw people over. Yeah. And that's wow. uh, the thing is that like another uh Shoot, what was it? Uh, what's the guy's people? People can fly, yeah. Outriders, uh, by the way. Well, two things, one quick because you mentioned when you said Luis Antonio, I'm like, that name sounds familiar. And then when you said 12, he did 12 minutes, I was like, oh, that's why that name sounds familiar. Uh, very interesting game. It's just, it's uh, I mean, I have my personal opinions on the game, but yeah, we, I mean, we, like, he's might, he's a really you might want to talk off. <laughs> yeah, but he's a, he's a really good dude. He's a really good dude, and he has a lot. He's a host of knowledge. And he's not too much older than me. I think he's only like six or seven years older than me. But it's like he really went through it developing twelve minutes. Yeah, I, I, and, I can imagine yeah. considering how long it took him to finally get it out. That like there was a lot of like turmoil and, and a lot of stuff going on back there. I, I think more of like so the, the big reveal. If you know what I'm talking about in that game. Mm-hmm. kind of be like Louis what man doing? what the hell are you thinking man yeah bro like, I don't even know dude I don't even know man um, but like Outriders as well uh, uh, I've had some issues with just how that game launched but uh, that you know like people people can fly we still don't know if people can fly has ever been paid by Square Enix that's scary isn't it like right. that that's that's that scary crazy. and this the is game has been is out it. for almost a full year now and we still don't know if they ever got a dime for that game 
So much so to the point where, look, that game launched in Game Pass. So Microsoft gave somebody a bag. And it's it wasn't still in Game Pass. Yeah, you got to think about it like this. Like Microsoft been struck a, game a deal since it came out. Right. Yeah, you know, Microsoft struck a deal with somebody, and then Square, like because it's a Square Enix title or whatever it may be, it's like they're already previously funded by another company. So it's like there's just too many hands in the bag right now. And then next thing you know, checks aren't getting cut, and people aren't getting paid. Yeah, they they essentially what Square Enix did was they took that money that they got from Game Pass and they put that in a different category. You know, you have like your accounting sheet and <laughs> and, and, and they said, yeah. we, could, we could put this in the sales category. Uh, yeah, we put that in the embezzlement category. Yeah, we're going to put that in the in the you not get ever getting paid <laughs> categories. This is our money. You don't get any of this, sir. So their contract was based upon once um once uh sales had hit enough of uh uh i guess a, a, a point where it had then paid off of the the expenses of developing yeah. the game once they broke then, even yeah yeah once they broke even then a percentage a, a, a significant percentage of game sales would then go to people can fly the problem here is that the vast majority of sales happened in the first 90 days of the game yep so mm-hmm. so now you're you're really bank, banking on very very small sales to finally get you over that hump to the the break even point. And then and remember, that, if, it's in, if it's in if it's in Game Pass, if it's in this is the key feature here that they really got screwed over on because it's in Game Pass. There is a large majority of players who play the game that did not buy it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, there was people. There was people that literally, um, as soon as they got allowed for Game Pass, either like went out and canceled pre-orders, and the, and the developer went out and literally told people, "Hey, don't cancel your pre-orders," and they ended up giving people special in-game items and stuff if they actually uh, purchased the game at retail or on their system or anything. And due to the, to the consumer, fact that they didn't want to do that, and the consumer is thinking to ourselves like hey these guys are for the people all while in inside the office they're like bro this is our money on the line like the, we could all be fired next month because of this right which which has uh gone to uh the eventual the eventual point where people could fly came out and they spoke publicly and said that going forward once they are done with all contractual obligations, which is like whatever expansions they're doing for Outriders and the uh, the other game that they're working on, I don't think Square Enix is the publisher for that. But w- going forward, everything they do will be self-published by People Can Fly, which is them saying, if we go get a bag for Game Pass, we're getting the bag for Game Pass. <laughs> like it's right. not Square Enix, you know, swimming in that that Microsoft money off of the, the the sweat and blood that we put into this game you know w- whether right. it works or not <laughs> so I, I i think that's uh you know i think this entire discussion has been fascinating in regards to just like what happens to developers you know and they really kind of all brought up by you know game pass at gdc and you know what what really all that meant and what it was really about which is as as we both said and and it's marketing it's marketing to get these uh publishers to sign on to their service and and to right uh, and and whether it's like and, and, and look I, i'm not trying to for anyone things like we're singling microsoft out or anything this is not like unique to them everyone does nope. this 
uh, uh, we I I made the analogy last night on Brap about AMD, how AMD will you know show off their new GPU, and then they'll do these these slides uh, of like measurements <laughs> of performance. Oh man, I love those slides, man. They're great, aren't they? You know, like let's 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 do a slide for the Division Two. You know, as one of the five <laughs> games that we're like the Division Two was old as crap. Why are you you showing this game as a comparison? Like, why are you showing? Why are you showing Battlefield Four up there? Like, what the heck is? Why are you got these old <laughs> games up here? Oh, because those were like you know developed with you know very closely with AMD, and you know for for certain that those games outperform Nvidia. But what about yeah. like fifty other games that don't? And it's you know? always percentages, you know. Like yeah. it's always always percentages. So like it's crazy that like you know somebody could say like in reality like six frames a second. It's like, oh yeah, I you got a six frames a second advantage at sixty frames, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you say ten percent, yeah, man, that's that's a that's a buzzword that turns into a buzz phrase real quick, bro. AMD is ten percent better than uh, Nvidia, right? But di- disregarding the fact that one, it's a four year old, five year old game, and two, it's six frames a second. Oh, like, all the the small print where they had SAM enabled, which means that you better have a, a <laughs> yeah. AMD CPU. Yep, <laughs> with with uh, Sam enabled on it in order to get that kind of boost just for those particular games. And then, you know, that's why I always tell people, forget what they say, even forget what NVIDIA says, you know, because they, because, you know, Mr. Leather Jacket being Mr. Oh my God. pulling GPUs out of ovens in the kitchen and whatnot and being all flashy. But how about, how about them prices, bro, right? Like, you just... Look, you forget what they say. Wait until the product drops and then see what those who don't have a a, a they don't have any skin in this uh, game media have bias. To say. Yeah, yeah. Like the the hardware unboxes and the and the the gamer nexuses guys. See what they say when they comp- when they take that product and they put it in a test rig and see what the actual numbers say. And that's you know that that. That that's really what what it comes down to. Everyone has an angle. Everyone's marketing something, and just because it's not an actual physical product, uh, that like that Microsoft is marketing, that service is their bread and butter. It's what they want, uh, everyone to be in in on. They want everyone to subscribe to it, and they want all the developers to want to put their games in it. And so they're gonna try to uh, uh show you numbers. And, and those numbers are inaccurate or anything. It's just that how relevant are they? And that's what's the more important important thing there is. Are those numbers relevant um, to you as a developer or publisher? You know, we, me and Forte aren't. Delhi is. And, you know, so that's why Delhi asked the kind of questions that he asked earlier were very, very important questions that none of us really have the answers to. Only ones who really do is Microsoft. And, you know, if if, if those answers were, were great and, and sh- really showed a lot of promise, they, they would have had a, a PowerPoint slides for them, too. Right. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, of course. They would have you know, they would have actual metrics uh up there you know what i mean but when you like the only people who are disclosed to this information is microsoft and the people in the room with microsoft so like again isn't it suspicious that nobody says anything weird about game pass and this been game pass has been out for six years nobody has everybody everything on the internet is oh game passes for the devs game pass for devs, and it probably is these devs are getting rich every dev is getting rich that's not true not every dev is getting rich because if you look at the, their own graphs, it says specifically ID at Xbox partners. Then you hear horror stories. 
oh, well, you know, they didn't accept our game. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, well, they accepted our game. They accepted our application. They funded our uh, entire um, development. And then they didn't put it in Game Pass. So we didn't make any money. It is what it is. Uh, we are very, very. Long. We have gone. This yeah, is... we done went long. Oh, that was a good conversation, though. But, That's but, why. Yeah, a very good conversation. Uh, let's go ahead and, and start to wrap this up. I just want to shout out everybody that has come through uh, tonight. We really appreciate uh, the live chat here. I appreciate the mods who have told all the live webcam uh hot girls here triple x singles in my area singles in my area here really you know the dmv like all those like those bots thank you for for getting them up out of here we really appreciate everybody being on top of it when i've been kind of like managing things i haven't been able to see it uh but that's it uh we will go out of here try to wrap this up forte well first first before i go to forte delhi thank you for coming through once again Every time you you show up, you always educate us on just not just everything about game development, but just like the process of how games are made, how they are uh, like the managed and everything. And just uh, I'm just so glad that I always have you on because it's, it's it's not it's not just beneficial for the audience, but it's been beneficial for us here too because we get to learn so much from you. So really really uh thank you for coming through once again and let everyone know where they can find you and what you got going on in the future uh yeah hello guys thank you guys for having me back i really appreciate that um again thank you guys for having me back and specifically just letting me talk about games and the industry and stuff um because you know i've been on other podcasts and other podcasts will ask me things like you know I don't know what you do in your game. Like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about the projects I'm working on because I can't. I can't talk about this. I can't talk about that. I can't. Right. I, I'm not going to give you the tea or the shade about a certain company. Like, <laughs> I just want to talk about games and I just want to talk about the stuff that I like, which is games, the technology, and the industry. Um, so I'm always happy to be on here, and uh, again, always grateful to have to be a reoccurring guest. But um, you guys can find me on agent on Twitter at Agent Deli. Um, I'm sure my link is in the description. Um, I tweet about game dev stuff. I tweet about stuff that I like. Uh, I'm surprisingly like a normal human being on Twitter. So I'll tweet about like music, movies that I watch, um, games that I play, stuff that I do on the daily. So yeah, it's nothing too exciting over there. But every now and then I'll talk about uh, if a topic, if a huge topic comes up, I'll definitely give my insight on it. Um, Yeah, I'm always grateful to have interactions on Twitter as well too. So if you guys have any questions for me after the show or anything, uh, just leave them on Twitter and I'll try to get my uh, or I'll try to get them to the best of my ability. Sounds good. Sounds good. Forte, what you got going on, man? Oh, man, what don't I got going on? Working on some rebranding stuff for the channel, working on some videos and stuff like that. Working, getting into Elden Ring, listening to you guys geek out about all the subjects you're talking about, which was great because I love when I love when you guys get this you know, you get this um, conversation going and I could just sit back like, man, I just learned like 50 things I didn't know today. <laughs> and um, it's always good to have Delhi on board. But um, for me, man, everybody know where they can find me. You, Gaming Forte, YouTube, Twitter, Xbox Live, PlayStation. Um, make sure you check out DPS 77 next week on my channel. Um, 
But uh, Slomo, always an amazing job in what you be doing on this channel. Really always impressed with your your candor and your uh, expertise and the stuff that you talk about. And um, we will see you guys next week for another episode. Definitely, definitely. Th thank you, sir. Um, I actually, for me, uh, expect within the next day or two a review of Elden Ring out. And I can tell you now, it's going to be it's going to be at least 20 minutes long. It's, oh, I'm so excited, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it at work. I, I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go deep pause in this one. It's it's uh, I <laughs> go feel, deep. I, I as a, a non from software like fanboy, I feel like it's kind of like I initially I just wanted to do a video from the perspective of just like some random thoughts of me just rambling for a few minutes about how I like what I do like and dislike about Elden Ring. And then as I started to work on it, I just started to think, yo, this is starting to kind of turn into like an ACG kind of video, <laughs> like an ACG kind of review where I'm just breaking down certain aspects of like uh, a game in, in particular, you know, just like story, uh, sound design, performance, visuals, combat, bosses. And I just said, you know what? I should just make this a review. And so now, yeah, I'm uh, uh, about a good 25% of the way through that. It had a lot of things to do today, especially we're prepping for the show today. But uh do expect to see that review out either tomorrow or Saturday. I would definitely say Saturday on the latest. But, yeah, um, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I do apologize for not doing lunchtime with Slomo as often as I would like to. Work has been really, really busy over the past two weeks, and it's probably going to be like that again next week. Uh, if as long as uh, I'm still kind of working on the current projects that I'm working on right now at work. But once I get my lunches back the way I would like, where people aren't you know hitting me up randomly and needing me to to save something um, every. 30 minutes i can actually go live and not have to go brb every every 15 minutes and that, that would be a really bad stream so that's why i haven't been streaming so i will get back to that soon no worries there but uh just want again once again thank delhi for coming through anytime you wanted to just like pop up sir just let us know you know just you know um don't 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 just jump in impromptu like you know the guy that just shows up to your house without you know saying they coming through. But anytime, oh yeah, no, uh, not like that. <laughs> but no, 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 I'm joking. Anytime you want to come through, sir, you are more than welcome. Just let us know, man. It will, we got you, uh, Forte. Yo, appreciate you as always. Yo, what sir. about Forte? I just want oh, to say you're welcome. You as always, sir. Yeah. And again, oh, well. <laughs> and again, I, I, I thought you were about it. to say. I thought you were asking me to do outros again. Like, huh? No, well, no, no. no. Uh, although I, I, I do like. How far are you in the ring? How how far? Oh, I just I literally just started. Not even an hour. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, any, anytime you want some, uh, uh, you want to do some code. Oh no, I, I will be hitting you up uh, this time. I, I I'll make sure I don't repeat mistakes that some people made and drop weapons on the ground and get them leveled hey, up. If you, if you want some, oh, if you want some boy, runes, if go. you're on PlayStation, if you want some runes, I got you, bro. I got it. Like, oh, I got. Dally, why you on PlayStation? I got PlayStation too. Oh, okay. I got that. I got. I, I got. Say, I got like two hundred thousand runes. I'm not using. Oh man, I feel I feel blessed. I have friends. You know that two hundred thousand runes is just one level up for me right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous right now. But for yeah. for uh, Forte, it could be like forty levels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, absolutely. exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, I got friends, man. You know, I called Slow Mo like three weeks ago. Said Slow Mo, are we friends? And he was confused. Uh, yeah, now you know it was why. A very confusing <laughs> conversation. I don't know why you you were kind of talking. It was just me, random, and I left needed that confirmation. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I gave it to him. You know, he, he got confirmation. He still got a lot of questions. Like, what is, what's going on with you right now? I still never answered that question. Did why I asked you that? Didn't I? No, you didn't. <laughs> but which oh, okay. you don't have to. It's fine. All right, we're getting up out of here, y'all. Have a great night. Uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. If we don't talk to you uh, before then. And as always, enjoy your games. Peace. And enjoy that Scumcast episode. That's going to be in two days. Yeah, yeah. Do that too. All right. We're out. Peace.